Hayes, Lauren, and RJ. The Frangie Show starts now on 1010XL 92.5 FM. Hey, welcome in. Glad you along for the ride on 1010XL and on 92.5 FM. Frank Frangie, Hayes Carline with you. Lauren Brooks uh, is off today. She's at a wedding today, and then her vacation starts next week. Uh, but she'll be back with us uh, after that. Uh, we are live at the Cantina Rio at the River House. Packed house in here, Carlines. It's you got. lively. We got a lot of beach volleyball. The Knolls are here. It's kind of a kind of an exciting day. Yeah, I've seen Ju. I've seen UNF. I've seen FSU. A number of beach volleyball teams. <clears throat> Alex Ricker Gilbert, the AD here, will be here <clears throat> to tell us all about it coming up in in just a bit. So uh, we got we got a packed house show today. Man, oh man, what a day today has been. We had a, a special day that you you were kind enough to come to out at uh, the Bregan Baseball Complex. Oh, it's fantastic. At, uh, thank you. At uh, Fort Family Park. So we're going to talk about that a little bit. But we're talking about a big rumble. Let's start with the rumble tonight. Who is this one big? The stakes are high always for UNF. The stakes are really high for JU in this one. Yeah, that, no question about it. I mean, JU, it, you know, where they sit right now in 11th place at 4-9 in the A-Sun, they have to find their way into that top 10 to, to earn a spot in the conference tournament. And obviously that's everybody's shot in this league at, at the NCAA tournament in March Madness. So uh, you just need to get in because, I mean, once you get in, everybody's zero and zero. There's only going to be one team that makes March Madness. And so, uh, but you want that opportunity. JU again, 10-1 uh, at home. Uh, that has been a theme with Jordan Mincy, outstanding uh, in, in this building. And, uh, you know, in looking at it, they're going to they're gonna have to hold. They've got Three games left. They're all at home. And uh, I, I was surprised by this. I don't think I've ever seen a team that is so far down in the standings yet tied for first in home record. Isn't it amazing? So the, yeah. so the bad news is JU's really been bad on the road. The good news is they've been great at home, and they're home for their final three games. And that's a, it's really critical. To Hayes' point, JU is 4-9 and nine in the league. Bellerman is three and ten in the league with a big win last night. By the way, at the buzzer, they're three and ten in the league, one game behind JU. JU is a half game behind Central Arkansas, who Bellerman beat in that game. So Central Arkansas is five and nine. JU can tie Central Arkansas if they win today. And again, you're trying to get into that top ten. Essentially, you want to be above two teams. You're above Bellerman now. If you win tonight, you're tied with Central Arkansas, and then two more home games, like Hayes said where JU's been very good. They've been a very good home team. UNF, meanwhile, is in the tournament. They're in the conference tournament. They don't have to worry about that. They're 8-5 and five in the league. There's a number of teams below them. But they're playing for home court. What they would love to do is have a home court game. Remember, the A-Sun tournament is not neutral side. Every game is a higher seed at home. So UNF would love to get in if you can get into that top four. Now, right now, Eastern Kentucky and Stetson are 11-2 and two and 9-4. and four. After that, Austin P, Lipscomb, and UNF are all 8-5. and five. So all three of those teams are one game behind Stetson, and uh, UNF still has to play them. They should have beat them the first time. And so no one's catching Eastern Kentucky. But after that, UNF could climb all the way to second. If, you come to, if you're second, then you really have an advantage because then you host, you get the bye, you host, and teams play on your floor. And what happens then is, they play a Monday night game, two teams on your floor, and the winner has to play you the next night. So that's what's uh, so to get to that one or two spot is really critical. So that's 
That's what's on tap for UNF. And we'll certainly talk. Jordan Mincy will join us. Uh, he comes up at 340 today. And we'll talk more. JU-UNF coming up then. Uh, Alex Ricker-Gilbert in the 4 o'clock hour as well. Matt Paulus, by the way, normally 340 on these Fridays. On some of these Fridays, will be with us at 320 talking about hip injuries and the like. So Matt from JOI joins us after that. Pete Prisco is always here at 4 o'clock on Fridays to talk NFL. So we got a lot of stuff to go to do with you. I do want to tell you... <clears throat> One of the coolest events I've ever been part of was this, was this uh, ribbon cutting today. But we all got a chuckle out of this. The mayor was there, and I appreciate Mayor Deegan. I've known Donna for 30 years, so I know her well, and, and, I, and I appreciated her. We were able to catch up today. Um, she spoke. Uh, Ron Salem, the, uh, the city council president, spoke. Who else I've known for a lot of years? Raul Arias spoke, the councilman for that District 11. Uh, Daryl Joseph, the, the really director of Parks, Recreation, and Community Services. And our friend Tammy Talley spoke. Uh, she runs the athletic uh, of DCPS. So, we ha- so we're nervous all week about this thing because you're watching the weather, right? You, I mean, you're, you're just glued to the phone. It's like, you know, you, don't, you're just, oh, yeah. you, you can't put the damn phone down. You're glued to it, right? Well, we look and look. Every day's clear except Friday. And we said every day's clear. So we're watching. I'm, I wake up in the middle of the night. I'm watching. I, do, I, don't, I mean, I got the mayor coming out there. I got an awful lot of dignitaries, as you saw, were out there. It was a very, very good crowd coming out. And not, sometimes ribbon cuttings aren't great crowds. This is a really good crowd. So we're out there, and we're worrying and worrying. And we look at and all of a sudden it says, you look like you're clear. It's going to be, there's not going to be any heavy rain till after 1 o'clock. Maybe a few showers. Right, right, that's what it said. So I said, okay. So my wife, Suzanne, rode with me, and we're driving down. I'm, I'm, she said, do me a favor. I know you've been looking at the weather app the whole time. Try not to do it while you drive, <laughs> which, which, which was right. good advice. So I, saw, I said, right, yeah, it's fair. So I didn't do it while I drove. I thought it was fair advice. Um, but the weather app kept saying, partly sunny, partly sunny, partly sunny, partly sunny. Storms in the afternoon, storms in the afternoon. It's almost like he was yelling at me. Good in the morning, except for scattered showers. Okay, so scattered showers. What are the chances on scattered? You're, you're good, right? Low. Very low. Yeah. You so would we, think. So we don't have, <laughs> so we don't have a, a tent set up. So, and again, I'm going to speak. Uh, the two councilmen are going to speak. Uh, Mayor Deegan's going to speak. And, uh, and I am CSA speak. I actually am seated. And then uh, Daryl Joseph and Timmy Talley. We're all there. Everyone's we've shook hands. Everyone's everyone's comfortable. We've got our, our the six seats behind the podium at this beautiful new ballpark, which you saw on gorgeous weather all last week. Oh right? yeah. So I get uh, at ten o'clock. We start. Okay, ten o'clock. And we're having a clinic in the afternoon too. I stand up. I turn the mic on, and I say, "Welcome everybody to Breaking Baseball Complex." At Fort Family Park, and then it stormed. And here it comes. I mean, I mean, it waited. Yeah. It waited till I said welcome. Yeah. I mean, we were laughing in the yeah. grandstand right. just by the sheer like, how what could the, this possibly what at the, this the, instant? Exactly when the rain yeah. started. So, and Mayor Deegan, Don, I told Donna, thank you. She did, she she didn't bat an eye. You guys were troopers. Yeah, she she we so I spoke. She spoke. By the time, just to speak, it only lasted 12 yeah, minutes. Yeah, it was very, very the, brief. The, the, the ribbon cutting was about 20 minutes. The rain was about 12 to 15 yeah. of it. And it was, the wind was blowing so yeah. much that by the time you got finished with the ceremony, pretty right. much everybody was dry. And that's right. It dried them, <laughs> the wind dried yeah, them all. the wind dried you <laughs> If off. you're going to bring rain, yeah. bring a wind dryer. Right, bring an exactly. air dryer. And so, uh, but anyway, so we all spoke a little bit in the rain. Everyone got a t- My staff, by the way, went and got tents. And carry those ten by ten tents while we're talking. They carried them to us it and then impressive. held them. It was so two tents. So anyway, it was a. We got to chuckle out of the fact that. And by the way, 
30 minutes later, the sun came out. Yeah. Did not rain another drop. We, we finished a clinic. We were out there. It literally did not rain a drop except for 10 to 10, 15, and our ribbon cutting was 10 to 10, 20. So, but anyway, we got to Well, like the mayor said, it was, uh, it was a baptism and, right. and hopefully right. a, a good omen for all the, the joy, joyous occasions that will happen out there. Yeah. It was cool that the clinic got in, too. I and, mean, and the clinic was perfect. Yeah. It, it, a lot of kids. and 180 kids. Yeah. 183rd graders are the best coaches around. All my high school coaches who were so loyal to this cause, always the college, you know, and, and the whole baseball community was out there. Pedro Bregan, of course, Peter Bregan Jr., uh, he gave us a big donation. That's why the park's named after him. Um, but Ken Babby was also out there, the current owner of the Jumbo Shrimp. Harold Craw, the GM of the Jumbo Shrimp, because he's on our board, were all out there. Uh, Joe Mercadante and Chris Hayes, the two baseball coaches, were out there. Um, as you can imagine, everyone in the baseball community is out there. Uh, a high percentage of the city council was out there. And then significant members. Randy of, Rager was out there. Randy Rager was out there. And, and significant members of the uh, of the uh, private sector, of which he is one. So, yeah, so right. there's that. Uh, so it was, it was really, we had a wonderful time. It was a, it was a wonderful time. And I want to tell, and we, did, we made the announcement that we've made on the air, but I'll make it again. Here's the beauty of that park, and I will say this, and I'll say it proudly. I know we're here to talk about other things other than a ribbon cutting, but I'm going to say this because it's important to me. Rec baseball at this beautiful new artificial turf facility, and there's not another one in town anything like it, rec baseball will never cost a player anything. That's never happened. We've never had free baseball. If you can get there, you play for free. You don't pay for uniforms. We want all kids to be able to play. Now, I've said this, and I'll say it again. If you're a family with means and you want to and you want to participate in our league, we'll pay the hundred bucks and uh, that you'd pay in other leagues. But nobody will ever have to pay to play in this league. So, if you want to come see these parks, they're gorgeous. Uh, that that's kids four through twelve in our rec leagues. Um, right now, go to walkofcharities.com. It'll show you how to sign up. We'd love to have you sign up. We'd love to have. We, we're going to start practicing. I think in two weeks. Well, our program staff is on that, so I haven't paid as much attention. But I think opening day is March thirtieth. Opening day, I think, is in April for our North Side League, and our West Side League has a different date. So we have a bunch of opening days for our various leagues. But this league, uh, opening day is March 30th. So again, if you have a you have a four or a twelve four through twelve year old, and you want them to play baseball, it's not going to cost anything because that's what we promised we would do. Uh, I have been whining about how expensive baseball got since we started this seven years ago, and frankly before that. Well, if I'm going to whine about that, Hayes then shame on me if I don't provide an answer. You, you can complain, complain, complain. Rather than complain about what's wrong, why don't you come up with a solution? So uh, free baseball at, the, at these gorgeous uh, youth league fields, and I hope people, I hope everybody in town signs up. It was really cool, too, to see the, the players that were able to participate as well in the ribbon cutting. You know what? We had a scout team, and that's our one travel team. The one travel team we have is an 18U team of all minorities. And we said all these – so many children, so many young players who have means and have the ability to play. They play in all these travel tournaments in Atlanta and Miami and Tampa and all over the southeast. Well, what if we had our own team? <clears throat> so we built a team, uh, our own team, last year of all minorities, and, uh, and they're wonderful kids. And my goodness, did they represent. And they held their own. And boy, did they represent us well. So we said, what if we had some players in uniform from that team cut the ribbon along with Mayor Deegan and, and Council President Salem and Councilman Arias. Wouldn't it be cool if we all did it? So Jalen Williams from Orange Park, Corey Wimberly from Bishop Snyder, and Robert Bryson from First Coast 
three minority players that are very good high school players and part of our scout team were all all came and were all able to, to cut the to cut the ribbon. That was neat, wasn't it? That they, was. They cut the ribbon along with uh, Mayor Deegan, and it, it was it was a special day. Yeah. And, I, and I really appreciate you coming out. Also oh, sure. appreciate, by the way, you taking the video. And, oh, sure. and there's, yeah, a, there's a lot of there's a lot of a lot of the TV stations were out, so you'll see that on the news. Matt Kingston, my old buddy Matty K from used to be with Channel Four, now works for the city. He's a city videographer. I know Matt, Matt's going to have a lot of stuff on the city website and whatnot. Um, yeah, I saw Justin Barney was Justin out there. Justin was there yeah. from Channel 4. Justin does a fantastic job. We certainly appreciate him. So there's a lot of that. But our personal walk-off videographer today was Hayes Carlion. <laughs> okay? And you took you – took, Happy you, to do it. But you actually got the cut. You, yeah. Your, your video, you actually got the cut. Right. So you uh, – so, uh, so if you look on my – either Hay, either Hayes' or my Twitter feed, you will see that. Uh, you'll see those players Hayes was talking about along with the mayor and the city council. Uh, cutting it, so that was really a cool thing. All, all kind of things to get to. I want to get to Gator basketball a little bit today. I want to talk about the combine. You and I and Mia O'Brien will be at the combine next week. I want to talk about what our expectations, how the Jags will be perceived. I want to talk about that a little bit coming up in the program today. But we'll start with uh, some guests. Matt Paulus joins us in just a moment from JOI. Segment after that, Jordan Mincy stops by, the JU basketball coach. Pete Prisco after that. Two segments later, Alex Ricker-Gilbert. So we are loaded up with stuff today. We're glad you're with us. It's a Friday, always brought to you by our friends at Big Chief Tire Company, the best tire company around, man. If you want tires or brakes or oil change, alignment, they do it all at those five locations. No matter where you are, you're near a Big Chief Tire location. Let's take a break. When we come back, Matt Paulus joins us by phone to talk about hip injuries, that and more. His JOI report is next. This is 1010XL and 92.5 FM. The Frangie Show, live from the Hastings Injury Law Firm Studios on 1010XL. Hit back with Hastings. Let's talk a little uh, about the health of the body. Matt Paulus joins us by phone today from JOI. Matt, how are you, buddy? Good. How are you guys doing today? Yeah, how are you feeling in your rehab before we talk about other people's rehab? How are we doing? Oh, I'm, I'm feeling a lot better. Thank you. Okay. <laughs> are you ready for the steel chair shot? Uh, n- not quite to the, not quite there yet, but I'm getting there. Okay. So my advice, can't maybe wait. by, uh, can't maybe wait. by SummerSlam. Yeah, yeah exactly, advice, exactly. Hayes, my advice to Matt was go to the rehab, do the yeah, rehab. That's okay. right. He, that's there's one advice. guy I can give advice yeah. to do the rehab. Right. Amazing, the rehab. amazing stuff, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> I've heard it's really good. So there's that. Uh, Matt, a lot of, we talk about a bunch of different things. This is of interest to me because I'm that age. We're talking a little bit about hips today. You've got an educational event coming up uh, with doctors and others treating various hip uh, pathologies. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, so it's out at um, uh, One Ocean uh, tonight and tomorrow. It's for you know MDs, physical therapists, athlete trainers. You know anybody involved in um, physical therapy and medicine that's treating hips. And then it's just you know different perspectives from many different doctors. We have a doctor coming in from Switzerland. We have um, a doctor from Nashville. We have some therapists from one from Minneapolis, and a couple other from Nashville. Uh, they have a big hip um, thing going on there. So uh, they're coming in, and we're we're this is our second time we're doing this meeting, and so we're just uh, you know just learning some more perspectives, and um, and it's really focused a lot on physical therapy as far as how we can help these people with hip issues uh, avoid surgery. But if they do have to have surgery, then, you know, what are the other options out there? You know, what procedures are being done surgically to, to help these people and how we can help them better in, in the physical therapy realm once they get done with the surgery. So, Matt, hip surgery has been a, a big 
focus of my family over the last uh, five weeks. My mother-in-law is, is just had a procedure, and I was shocked. She's 87 and, uh, and is, is doing great. I mean, you know, there's a recovery, but I had no idea how advanced hip replacement surgery had gotten and that somebody that, you know, is, is well into their 80s can still have it and, and come through it in, in, in fine shape. Yeah, so, um, you know, it's, it's come such a long way. You know, typically in, in the past, you know, people, you know, they would do a total hip surgery and they wouldn't really worry about them too much and just kind of send them on their way. And then, you know, then they started having some issues with dislocations and stuff like that. So they've added in a lot more physical therapy for these patients to, to make sure they understand the precautions. But there, there's two different procedures you can have done for your, if you have a total hip, you can either have, uh, the traditional um, approach, which is like a posterior lateral approach, which means kind of like um, from on the side of your hip and a little bit towards the back, towards your 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 butt. You know, that's where they would make the incision and and do the do the replacement. And then uh, the last ten years or so, they've been doing an anterior approach. Um, so they they each have their advantages and disadvantages. Um, but yeah, that's come a come a long way and. And a lot of times they're using the robot to assist now too to make sure they're getting proper alignment, all that stuff. So yeah, it's just come, it's come a long way, and uh, people are uh, usually do pretty well after a total hip surgery nowadays. Well, that's the thing. There, there, there's a lot of people, kind of my age. I'm telling you, man, they have a total hip. They think it's the best thing they ever did, Matt. I mean, you, yeah. I mean, you they'll say, "Why didn't I do it 10 years earlier?" So, I mean, I, I get the sense they've really got that down, right? Yeah, and then you know they're you know they they've advanced so much that even some of these they might even do early in the morning that day, and then they might discharge them from the hospital that night. So um, yeah, these surgical procedures have come along you know tremendously, and and um, you know a lot of times now too they're they're doing therapy before they go in, so that at least we're trying to teach them some things that they can do you know when they get home from the surgery that will help improve their outcomes after the surgery. So, you know, prehab is a big thing for some of these as well. Matt, in terms of uh, other maybe not so uh, major hip issues, but what are some things that, that younger people, younger athletes have to be on, on guard for? Is there anything, exercises that you recommend that can, that can help yep. limit uh, your injury exposure? So we're seeing a lot more in uh, teenage females, um, you know, either hip dysplasia, which basically means that the, you know, the hip is a usually is usually a really stable joint, right? It's like a it's a true ball and socket joint, but sometimes that socket that the ball sits in can be a little bit shallow or rotate out a little bit, and that can cause what's called hip dysplasia, which leads to like excessive motion in the hip. Um, and then you can also have what's called a, you know, a, a cam or pincer deformity. Basically, that means like there's bony overgrowth on the hip that causes, like when you flex your hip up, it causes a lot of pinching um, and can lead to a labrum tear. And there's so there's a labrum in the shoulder, and then there's a labrum in the hip as well. And they, they it's like a cartilage gasket essentially that sits in the joint. And um, you know, if you have either dysplasia or the, the, the impingement-type hip, then you can tear that labrum and cause some problems in there. 
So, you know, the main thing that we see with these people, doesn't matter which problem they have, um, they're usually really weak in their lateral hip, so like the side of their hip, um, called the abductors. Um, those are really weak, or and their glutes are really weak. So, um, you know, bridges, clams, um, you know, leg raises out to the side, those are three really big areas that we focus on in therapy because most of these people, doesn't matter which problem they have, they're usually weak in those muscles, and that, that's what causes some of the breakdown in the hip to happen. Matt, final thing or two. When you, it's a dumb question to answer on the phone, I guess, because you have to be diagnosed. I get it. But if someone listening right now, when do you know you need a hip? Is it, is it, is it one of those things your body tells you? You just feel that way to your body? You know, How, yeah, you if know? you – yeah, I mean, if you get a really sharp pain in your hip with standing, walking, motion, you know, the, that's one indicator. Um, and the second indicator is, you know, are you just completely miserable by the end of the day, right? You know, right, especially right. if you do a lot of standing, walking, you know, if you're pretty miserable by lunchtime, you know, and then it's even worse by the end of the day, you know, that that's time for you to, to, to get it looked at and at least see if there's, some physical therapy that can be done to try to alleviate some of the symptoms you're having and, and get you back to better function. But those are those are the two things, sharp, sharp pain in the hip and then just absolutely miserable by the end of the day. Those are, your, those are your two big indicators for sure. Matt, if Bo Jackson suffered his hip injury today, would it have ended his career? Uh, that's a great question. Um, you know, he had what's called so when he dislocated, he dislocated his hip, and basically, the the blood vessel that supplies the the um, blood to the head of the femur, the 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 ball part of the of the ball and socket, basically that was ripped. So he had what's called avascular necrosis. So necrosis. So what that means is just that that bone, that cartilage on the end of that bone, just slowly dies. Right. So his was needing a total hip you know done right away because there's really not a whole lot you can you can do you can't you can't repair that vessel to improve that blood flow so he would have had a hip done you know these days he probably would have had a you know maybe an anterior hip you know those those seem to be a little bit um more common i would say with with the with the sport pop you know the younger population more active population and um you know he he could have gotten back. Who knows? I mean, he probably not played football, but he probably could have maybe played baseball with, with one of those. But, you know, it's hard to say. I mean, he was such a phenomenal athlete. Um, but, yeah, his, his was a devastating injury that that yeah. um, really was, really at that time was not anything that you could really recover from to get back to where he was. I remember that one. Do you remember the Jack Lewis Green against oh, Nebraska? Matt, one you, of the worst ones I've ever seen. Matt, I don't know if you would have seen that or not because we, we could cover, cover Florida so better than 95. Matt, do you ever by any chance ever see that? Jack Lewis I know you've talk, you guys have talked about it before, but I don't, I don't remember yeah. that one yeah. offhand. Just I just remember who was it. Fray, what was the other? What was the Nebraska quarterback who, like, destroyed his he's, lower leg? Yeah, he's, that was, he's still running. Oh, oh, oh yeah. Uh, Tommy, Tommy Frazier, Frazier is yeah. the guy. Frazier, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. yeah. But, but, but I remember, but I mean, it was – I guess I didn't realize we brought it up before, but I guess we're still scarred by it. If, oh, you, yeah. saw, if you saw it, it's it, a dislocation. Yeah, so, so it'll be interesting. Well, anyway, the, the the event is this weekend. It's at One Ocean. Uh, if people want to learn more about it, what do they do, uh, Matt? If they, they want to be involved yeah, in this, 
Yeah, they can go on what's called the it's Florida Hip Symposium. If you type okay. that in, then the the information will come up on there, and it'll have all the speakers and stuff, and it has contact um, information there if you want to get your hip looked at or anything like that. There's there's links within that uh, web page to you to for you to get more information. Florida Hip Symposium, check it out and head out there. Matt Paul, check it in from JY. Matt, thanks, buddy. We appreciate it. All right, thanks, guys. All right, we'll take a break. We're going to come back. Jordan Mincy joined us, the JU basketball coach. Huge game, a rumble tonight in town. Jordan will talk about it after this. The Frangie Show, live from the Hastings Injury Law Firm Studios on 1010XL. Hit back with Hastings. Back to more of Big Chief Tire Friday on The Frangie Show. Family owned since 1961. It's Big Chief Tire. Hey, we're welcoming back Frank Frangie along with Hayes Carline. Lauren Brooks has the day off. Jordan Mincy joins us here at the River House. Ooh, got a big one tonight. How are you, Coach? I'm doing well, doing well. Thank you guys for having me. Uh, we love we love having you. We love coming out here. I love the Rumble. I've told you this a thousand times. But for where you sit, this is a big one, isn't it? Three home games coming up. You're scratching and clawing. Can you keep your players from getting too caught up in it, Jordan? How does that work? Yeah, you know what? It's, it's, it's a lot of energy around the game. And so to say, um, you know what, guys, try to ignore the noise, I'd be lying to you. Yeah. And so – uh, we just try to tell them not necessarily handle it, but you have to be able to manage it and understand. Put your energy um, towards loving your teammates, being connected throughout the course of the game, and not necessarily um, everything else that's going around the game. And, you know, our, our campus, our university has done a great job of marketing the game. I know our crowd's going to be crazy tonight. Yeah. But at the same time, just trying to get our young men to focus on the, the game at hand. We talk about this a lot, but it, it, it's sustained, which is why it continues to be a storyline. You guys are so good at home. You're 10-1 and one at home this year. That's best, tied for best in, in the conference. Yeah. So while there's been certainly struggles on the road, how much do you get these guys to lock in on the belief of we don't lose here? So one of the main things that we try to often push is um, family. And so, you know, when we think about Swisher, it's a place where we call home. And these guys, they, they try to protect home with everything they, they have. And, you know, we had uh, one game where it came down a stretch. We felt like we should have beat Kennesaw at home. Um, but unfortunately, we missed on some, you know, some timely rebounds. But at the same time, these guys love playing at Swisher. They love playing in front of, you know, their, their student peers, uh, and they love playing in front of their professors. And so it's an awesome environment, and it's, it's a great home court advantage for us. Yeah, that was a layup at the end of the game. I mean, yes. it, it, I felt bad for probably it was Pruitt. I felt bad for him, but, it meant not, but it was, it, that, that's how close the game was. Workman's been back a while now. How's he played? It feels like he's played pretty. Is, is he back in the rhythm? Is he in shape? Is he? Yeah, you know what? Um, the first week he had a lot of adrenaline going. Yeah. Um, he didn't shoot it particularly well from the, from the field, but he made some big plays. And, you know, the, the one thing that kind of gave us problems last week was, you know, he had just gotten back, but this is the first time he started to see a double team. Yeah. So at Kennesaw they doubled him as soon as he got the ball. And then at Queens, man, they were coming every time. And so – um, you know, throughout the course of the season, he hasn't seen it. In his career, he's seen a double team. But um, it was just the first time he dealt with it. And our whole team, we kind of struggled to adjust to it. Was it nice having several days in between games at this time of season? And, and how do you go about your week as a coach preparing for a team that you know very well and you've already played once? Well, it's the best. You know, you get an opportunity, especially this late in the season. you got a three-game stretch coming up, um, all those games being at home. But at the same time, you get an opportunity to really rest your guys. And being able to kind of get, you know, we had one to two days um, just to, you know, let those guys be more mental days. Doing yoga. Um, our strength coach, uh, Chris Hayes, does an unbelievable job of, of making sure these guys get extended stretches. And so it was it was pretty good, particular the, the first two days of the week. And then we kind of get into the scout the next two days. 
Jordan, you haven't had everybody almost at all. I mean, <laughs> I mean, I mean you had – I mean, Bryce misses all the games. Rob played, but he played hurt. Now Nightblack's been out. Is Nightblack back? Is he, is he? Yeah, you know what? He's supposed to be back. And then next thing I know, yesterday he had the uh, massage gun halfway in the practice. He goes, yeah, Coach, I, I don't know if I'll be able to go tomorrow. Really? And so I said, hmm, this is unique. So <laughs> you, uh, I expect him to play, but I don't know if he'll play. So you so. don't know. I mean, you really don't know. Yeah. That, like, I, I told someone this today, our uh, special Jennings, our women's basketball coach. Okay. I said, um, you know, Marcus was supposed to play at our Eastern Kentucky and Bellarmine swing. I sub him into the game, East Kentucky. He goes down one trip on offense. He comes back on defense holding his side, and he says, hey, take me out. And so your entire game plan changes because, you know, he's a guy who's a key piece to us. And so I said it today. Marcus might tell me he's ready to go, and I'll sub him in, but we'll see if he's really ready to go for an extended amount of time. He might be able to get out there and give us five to ten minutes a day. He might be able to do like he did versus East Kentucky and just give us a minute. And so – Hopefully he's ready to go. Yeah, that that's that's weird because I don't know him, but he seems like a tough guy. Oh, unbelievably he's, tough. He's seeing he comes off his stuff, so that must be a heck of an injury there. Yeah, he has a he has a sports hernia, and then we ha- we end up giving him an X-ray and an MRI, and he does have a, a tear. Okay. And so um, it's one of those things where you know you need extended rest, but because we're in season, yeah. again one or two options: either you can have surgery right now and shut it down, and just speaking to the toughness level, he decided not to have surgery. He's like, coach, I'm gonna try to rest up and, and give you guys what I got. What are the defensive adjustments that you guys have to make in this meeting as opposed to the first game at UNF? Try to guard Chaz Lanier. Yeah. You know, like when you look at Chaz, I told somebody uh, the other day, Chaz Lanier is probably going to be player of the year in our conference. Um, I, I believe he's truly an NBA-type player, you know. Um, the, the one thing about him is over the last five games, he's averaged 28.8 points a game. And so when you look at it as a whole, he's seen every type of defense. And so it's a challenge. Going into the game, trying to see how you can take the ball out of his hands, but at the same time, knowing that those other guys are just as dangerous. And the one thing is, we necessarily, you know, we held him under his average. He had 21 versus us, and I know that's bad to say, held him under his average. No, I get he had 21. It. But um, we also let James get off for 25 in our first meeting. And so we just got to do a better job across the board, which I feel like we've done over the last few games. Our defense has really, um, you know, uh, stepped up, but at the same time, our offense got to show up as well. Yeah, he, uh, I asked Matthew about this. I, I had no idea he was that good. I, I mean, I, I'm not sure. I, mean, I said, Matthew, did you know he was that good? He said, I'm not <laughs> sure I did either. I mean, he's a good player. When you guys play them, it's really interesting because they are the ultimate shoot-it team. They can really shoot. And you're the ultimate defensive team. And you guys are in-your-face, man-to-man defenders. Do you like that? I mean, that's, for the fans, that's for no matter which – place you're playing at that's fun for us because it's, it's a good matchup of, of style yeah i think he's exciting like i you know i've spoken I spoke on him multiple times before it's a great rivalry yeah, you being able to yeah. be um in town jacksonville is a, a sports city in general and so being able to see two universities cross town rivals play different styles of basketball and then when they go at it you know everybody shows up um and so like i said i just think it's good for the city as a whole who's a player that's given you his entire heart this year maybe it doesn't show up in the stats but a guy that's just been a pleasure to coach? The one I would say is probably Bryce Workman. You know, you talk about a guy who could have transferred out. Um, he could have transferred up. And um, he, he, you know, he tore his ACL last year, decided to come back. And just to see that, you know, he had a broken finger and he played his way back trying to get his team everything he can, man. He's, you know, he's a great dude um, to have on our, on, on our team. And eventually I want to try to put him on my staff one day. Oh, wow. Is that right? That's, yeah, that's very great cool. Great dude.
Tell me about Jossie Paul. I'm a big Jossie fan. I know he's a local guy. Oh, Jossie. I love him. Yeah, Jossie's a great dude. You know, he's a dude who also was injured the ma- yeah. majority of the summer. And so a lot of people don't know he has I a, didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. He had a steel rod put into his leg. He wow. did? Yeah, he did. So he, he couldn't – he he picked up weight, and he couldn't necessarily um, practice like he wanted to the oh, entire yeah. summer. He didn't start going full contact until the beginning of October. And so that's why if anybody ever watches his play – his first few games and the first, you know, non-con, he really struggled to find his rhythm. And so um, he's a kid that I, I love, a young man that I love dearly. Um, obviously, he's a local guy. He has a lot of people who are really pulling for him. And so he represents, you know, not only our program, but our university as a whole. What will it mean for you guys to, to get into this tournament and, and be able to say to your guys, everybody's zero and zero now? Oh, it would mean the world to us. You know, when you talk about this three-game stretch, we want to take it one game at a time. But – as you guys know, we haven't had our full roster. And so, you know, you have bits and pieces here and there where guys can practice, sometimes guys aren't practicing. But to be able to be back whole and, and feel that complete feeling again, it would be awesome going into the tournament. Because, you know, we feel like we can match up with anybody um, starting the night and just making sure that we handle our business one game at a time, play our way into the tournament, and then it's 0-0 zero, zero for everybody. Jordan, what, what, who has – and I know there's the obvious guys. There's Rob and there's Bryce. But who has to play well tonight? Is it, what's the missing piece that I'm not thinking about for tonight? I think one of the key guys is Zach Bell. Okay. You know, Zach Bell's a guy who can make shots. And, you know, if you watch our team at times, um, Zach Bell and I also say Jared's Cook. Those guys have to make shots. You know, we are a team that prides ourselves on majority of the time getting paint touches. But if those guys don't hit shots, a lot of times we often struggle. And, you know, we don't hide that fact. And so um, it, it does put a lot of pressure on those guys to, to be able to, you know, open up the floor a little bit for our bigs, guys like Bryce. But at the same time, they have to have a big game tonight for us to be successful. You mentioned uh, the disappointing performance at the free throw line. Uh, in the, when, when, that, when something like you have a game like that, that that's devastating. How do you approach it? Do you do you emphasize it more, or do you worry about that's going to get in their heads? Because normally you guys are, are pretty good, but you had an off night at the yeah. at the line. So the one thing that we try to do is we often try to put them in pressure situations. And so going into practice, the one thing is the guys who are at the free throw line, we oftentimes put those guys in those exact situations. And myself, Coach Mike Fly, Coach Trevor DeLoach, we're in the background saying, you know, don't choke, don't mess up, don't, don't miss this. And you'll see certain guys come up there and, you know, They'll hit those two free throws and they gain confidence. And it's how many times can we put them in that pressure situation so that now when they have those one to five free throws like a Bryce Workman, they're able to, to capitalize on it. You're a big guy. You got a lot of big guys. Yes. Who, other than Bryce, who's played the best? Stephon's played great. Pruitt at times has played great. What's your best mix up there? So I think Steph Payne, you know, another uh, local Jacksonville guy. Yeah, Jackson um, guy. He's played extremely well. You know, he's teetered with a double-double um, over our last three or four games, whether it's nine points, 12 rebounds at Queens, or um, going to get 10-14 and win our wins um, two weeks ago. He's done a great job of really coming uh, along, especially when Bryce went down. You guys did an excellent job of guarding UNF from the three in the first meeting, and and we all know they lead the country in three-point makes. You gotta, that's got to be first. But they were so efficient scoring inside the three-point yes. line. I think they shot like 69% or it was something yes. remarkably yes. high. Yes. Uh, is there any because obviously the the, the priority has got to be stopping the three mm-hmm. but how do you what's the challenge of, of defending both well the one thing with them is um you know along with Chaz you got a guy who's capable of going for 30 but at the same time you have guys who are elite shooters around them and so their biggest thing is they get you in rotations 
we tried to limit our rotations, and, you know, it was more so an ego thing, probably more so on myself, where I said, hey, we're going to make those guys beat us one-on-one. I don't want anybody help. We're going to make them beat us one-on-one. And they showed me. They beat us one-on-one. They got by us. They were able to capitalize at the rim. At one point, I remember looking at the score sheet, and they were shooting 85% from the field. And I was like, goodness gracious, guys. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, you obviously want them to do something that they've never done. They don't shoot. They shoot threes all the time. Okay, well, let's stop them from doing that. Let's see if they can hit twos over length at the rim. And they did a great job of capitalizing on that. All right, Jordan, final thing. This Obviously, you've been in a bunch of rumbles now, but this is a big one. I mean, this is a big one for your team. What now for you? Do you what do you, what do you do? Do you go with your team now? Do you do you, do you go do you go work out? Do you go watch a movie? What what, what, what are you what are you doing between now and seven? What are you doing? Usually, um, I got an artist that I listen to named Chandler Moore. Okay, and, uh, it's like a gospel singer, and so literally I go pick up uh, I go pick up my uh, laptop and okay. I look on YouTube and I just basically I get a couple of his reels, a couple of his videos, and Very I just cool. play them nonstop and I kind of just listen to him sing and, and, and listen to different choirs and, and, and different songs that he has and kind of gets my my mental right. Going into the game. That's how Jordan relaxes. That's, hey, awesome. that's how he did. Hey, mm-hmm. I know I'm going to try it. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I know it's a big game. Thank you for always stopping by. Good luck hey, tonight, man. Thank you, guys. I appreciate it. Y'all the best. All right. Jordan Mincy, the basketball coach at J. More in a moment. This is 1010XL 92.5 FM. The Frangie Show, live from the Hastings Injury Law Firm Studios on 1010XL. Hit back with Hastings. Let's ring up another guest on the All Pro Roofing phone line. Time for all things Jaguars and NFL with Pete Prisco. The Prisco Report, presented by Showtime Sports Cards and Collectibles. Showtime. On the Frangie Show. We thank our buddy Pete Prisco for joining us, and we thank our friends from Showtime. Now, coming up on March 10th at Showtime, you can meet Alicia Fox. She is a, a wrestler, a championship wrestler, and she's from the Jacksonville area. But she'll be there signing autographs from 3 until 5 o'clock, 3 to 5 at Showtime, I think 25 bucks for an autograph, and you'll get the chance to meet her, and she is terrific, and she is from here. That comes up at Showtime Sports Cards and Collectibles. Showtime is located on Phillips Highway at the end of Shad Road. Head to Showtime today. Uh, Pete Prisco is headed to Indianapolis. When are you going up, Pete? Monday. You guys? Uh, we are going Tuesday morning. Then we'll be there the rest of the week. So you, that's a bit, you're, you're there all week. Right? You're, you, that's kind of your thing, right? Yeah, you, I'm, I leave like Friday, uh, late Friday. I get out of there okay. late Friday. Okay. Um, but, yeah, yeah. look, for me, it's, you know, it's a convention. It gets to see right. everybody and, and get the gossip going and talk to all the scouts and personnel people and coaches and everything else. I, I, I love the combine. The combine's great yeah. because you get to network. You guys know that. Well, I do, and, 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 but you know it so much better. We do know it, but you know it so much better than us because you've done it so long. For our listeners who probably don't, explain that a little bit. Expound on that because, obviously, play, coaches are there to watch players work out. But, Pete, it's way bigger than that. It really is an NFL convention. It's assistant coaches, head coaches, personnel guys, scouts. I mean, it really – it's a convention is really what it is, isn't it? Agents. I mean, you know, they're, they're yeah. all over the place gossiping and making deals, behind, you know, before you're supposed to make deals. And, uh, so, yeah, it, it is. And, and, you look, everybody goes there. Every position coach in the league goes at one point during the week. So, you know, by the time – you get through the week, everybody had come through there. And, and you bump into guys in the street. You bump into guys when you're out having dinner. And it's just, it, it is the biggest NFL convention. You know, the Senior Bowl used to be a lot like that, but then guys stopped going. Uh, you know, they stopped going down there. And, and there's some coaches who aren't going this year and haven't gone the last couple of years to the, to the, even to the combine. Like Mike McCarthy's not going to go. There's been some Rams haven't gone in the past. Uh, but for the most part, everybody goes. And, uh, you know, look, Trent Balky and, and, Doug Peterson are both going to meet with the media next week. 
Yeah, Tuesday, uh, 12, 30, and 1. It should be uh, very enlightening. Pete, what's the off-season storyline that you were the most intrigued by? Well, I'm curious to see who gets franchise tagged across the board. I think there's a lot of guys, and I did a top 100 this week of all the free agents, but I think a lot of the guys in the top 10 are going to get tagged, including Josh Allen. And, you know, a lot of people out there wondering why there's no deal done yet. Well, I mean, that's a good question, particularly now that they just raised the cap a bunch. Uh, I would make getting him done the top priority. I think they will do everything they can as they get closer to the deadline to try and get that to happen. But if it doesn't, he will be tagged. You guys know that. And there's a lot of guys at the top are going to get tagged. I mean, you look at the Chiefs. What do they do? Chris Jones can't probably be tagged because his number's too high, but Legereus Sneed can. Uh, Jalen Johnson, the corner from the Bears, will be tagged. Uh, you'll see a lot of the pass rushers get tagged. So I think you're going to see a lot of the top guys go off the board next week, and then you can dive into the into the free agency market. Pete, I think the hope is around here from a lot of people is that you could get a deal done with Josh Allen beforehand, allowing you to tag Ridley if the, if the tag's available still. And could it, Do you think it'll play out that way, or do you think Josh Allen's going to get the tag? They're not going to sign Ridley, they're not going to sign Ridley beforehand because they don't want to give up the second-round pick and they'll take their chances. Where do you see that thing ending? I think they tag Josh Allen, and I think they'll take their chances on Ridley. And, and look, uh, Ridley has said, and he, I think he told, told somebody at your station that he wants to come back, in right. large part because, because he had trouble learning the offense last year, and he doesn't want to do that all over again. So I think a fair deal, you might be able to get him back. But if you don't, there's guys on the market. You can go get a wide receiver, and there's guys in this draft if you need to go get a wide receiver. So I don't think that's necessarily a problem. I think Allen has to be priority one, and if you can get him signed to a long-term deal, then tag Ridley, that would make sense. But I think that's going to be a lot tougher to get done than just you know sitting back there and being willing to tag him. Pete, I think if Calvin Ridley gets to the market, he's going to get big money. I mean, because I, I don't think T. Higgins and – I certainly don't think T. Higgins is, is getting out of uh, Cincinnati. And I'd be surprised if Pittman or Evans do. And so, I mean, if – if all three, three of those guys are, are back with their clubs, it's hard for me to look at any other receiver and, and think that they're going to get more than Ridley. Well, Evans won't be back unless they get that deal done. He won't because I think they tag Antoine Winfield, so he'll hit the market. Um, I think, you know, when you look at T. Higgins, they'd like to get him back, and, and I think they will do everything they can to tag him and keep him there. Um, but, you know, there, you, you met, there's some other guys down the line, too. I mean, there's some veterans in the book. You know, if you wanted to get a number three receiver, Odell Beckham is there. I mean, there are guys on the market. But uh, you're right. If Ridley hits the market, I think, you know, a team in desperate need of wide receiver help will, will make a look. I mean, look, the Chiefs need more wide receiver help. He, he, he certainly helped them. I can tell you that right now. But I think going back and watching what he did last year, he ran the wrong route a bunch of times. He admitted he didn't know the plays. He'd be smart to go back to Jacksonville. If the money's close, now if the money is significantly different, then you leave. But if the money's close, go back to Jacksonville. Pete, we talked about this last week, but reiterate it a little bit. What do you think the Jags will do to improve the interior of the offensive line? Is that a, is that a free agency play? I would think it almost has to be. The last thing you want to do is that the last thing you want to have to do is add new young players up there. How's that going to play? I would add, uh, I would add big, strong guys in free agency. I, I think there's a lot of guys on the market that will, you know, are, are intriguing. And if you, you know, I'll give you one: the the the, the guard tackle from the Patriots, Michael Onwenu, big, physical, strong guy. He has played tackle, played tackle last year, but I think he's a guard, a power guard. I, I think he's the kind of guy 
you look at it. He's only 26. He's got a lot of good football in front of him. If you could land a guy like that, plug him in there and play. Robert Hunt, another big offensive lineman from the Dolphins, power guy. He's played both guard and tackle. Uh, you know, and if you wanted to look at the center's position, there's guys there as well. I think you have to get one or even two guys on the offensive line in free agency, interior guys, you know, that can get stronger, get more physical, uh, help protect. And, you know, I mentioned Andre James last year. Andre James isn't a power center, but, you know, few of these guys are anymore. But he's good in pass protection, and that's the one area where they really struggled last year with, with uh, uh, getting protection in the middle for, for Trevor Lawrence, and I think it sped him up. So I, I'm in with, agreement with you 100%. If it were me, I'd spend money in free agency on those big power players on the inside. We're starting to see Brock Bowers falling in some mock drafts, so this may be my only opportunity to really ask you this because I'm not sure I buy it. But Brock should the Jaguars take him? No. By the way, has anybody seen the picture of Brock Bowers when he was standing with um, with uh, Gronkowski at the Super Bowl? <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's not uh, overly impressive until you get him on a football was? field. What the, I, I, but I don't <laughs> understand. Hey, I have to go deeper into that and look more close because I, I thought he was a big-time star, physical tight end. I know he's not a great blocker, but he, he's willing. Right. And then you see that picture, and he's standing there, a knock-kneed guy with his, uh, you know, looks like he's a, yeah. a guy that from the rec league down the road. I'm like, i got to do more work on that. It concerns me. But, but, let, but let me tell you this, P. He did look that way. I saw him at SEC Media Days. Yeah, yeah. but look, when he plays. He looked, he looked different. When, yeah. When, yeah, he did. Yeah. And, Pete, I mean, you've watched, you, you watch as much college football as any of us, bro. When he's out there, lineback, linebackers can't run with him. Safeties can't tackle him. He outruns cornerbacks. I mean, Pete, he's a really good player now. I'm just telling you. I agree. I, mean, I, don't, and, and I, I way, would think the Jags should take him, but I'm just telling you, he's a really good player. By the way, they aren't taking him in large part because they're not going to admit they made a mistake last year. You know how that goes. They're not going to admit they right, made a mistake yeah. on the tight end they took last year. They're not going to take him. Yeah. So, yeah, he, uh, no, I agree. I, th- I think he's a great player when you watch him on tape and you watch him play, but – I get concerned when I see a guy with his knees are touching when he's standing there. That he's worries got the me. The knee thing worries him. I get it. The knee, the knee thing worries him. Pete, um, the handful of great teams in the league. Um, obviously, let's start with the Chiefs and the 49ers because they, they made the game. Obviously, the Ravens are right there. There's a handful of other teams that are right there. What do they have to do to get better? I mean, is there, I mean the, the Chiefs have to get receivers. We know that. They got away with it this year. Um, what do the 49ers have to do? What do the Ravens have to do? What do the great teams have to do off the top of your head to get better? Yeah, the, Chiefs, the Chiefs have to get a wide receiver. They need another wide receiver. But they also need a, a less tackle. I mean, you know, and, and by the way, Jawan Taylor did not play very well last year, this no, year for the Chiefs. No, the, the tackles were right. a problem. They've got to get better at left tackle. I think they'll address that. I think if I were them, I'd try and sniff around Tyron Smith and get him in there for a couple of years and make him your left tackle. I know he's had some injury issues, but if you can get him on a relatively cheap deal, plug him in and play and that'll upgrade your offensive line. 49ers, uh, they got run on last year. They need to get better against the run. You know, it, it started with the Cardinals late in the year. They went for 188 on them. And, and then in the playoffs, they ran for 5.6 per rush against them. Uh, I think they have to get better inside. And, and they have good interior players. Armstead was banged up at the end of the year. But, um, you know, Hargrave, they're up the field, guys. They need a power player in there to protect those linebackers. So that's something they'll have to address. Um, and then who'd you, who'd the other one, who's the other one you asked me about? The, uh, Cal- the Ravens? Uh, Ravens. 
The Ravens, you know, they have a lot of free agents, big free agents. They're going to have lots, you know, yeah. Matabuke's a free agent. Uh, you know, they have yeah. a lot of guys. Queen's a free agent. You know, Stone's a free agent. I think they have to do a, a good job of trying to keep as many as their own as they can. Where will Kirk Cousins be playing next year, Pete? Minnesota. I think he likes oh. it there. I think they've found out what life is like when you don't have Kirk Cousins. He's my number one free agent because the position value. Um, I, I think he goes back. I, I think it makes sense. I think his family likes it there. Uh, you know, they'll work out a deal where they give him some, you know, three-year deal and give him a bunch of money, and I think he goes back. I, I think Atlanta's a possibility if he doesn't. Uh, you know, Brady Quinn, I had an argument with, with him all week this week. He was talking about the Niners. Can you imagine the Niners jettison and uh, Brock Purdy to pay Kirk Cousins at his age? That wouldn't make a lot of sense to me. But So I, I do think he goes back. The, uh, I saw a list the other day of the best free agent quarterbacks out there. And after Kirk Cousins, who's obviously the guy, I want to think Ryan Tannehill was second on the list, Pete. Uh, he, he, Gardner Minshew was third on the list. That's um, right. Free agent, free agent quarterbacks, that's not a thing anymore, is it? I guess that's where I'm going with this. That's not really a thing anymore, free agent quarterbacks, is it, Pete? Well, you forgot, you forgot Baker. Baker had a good year. Yeah, and you're right. He, and Baker, I think they're going to resign him, but you're right. Baker, yeah. as yeah, of he today, won't get Baker's out of a free agent. You're right. Yeah, he won't right. get out of there. He, and he wants to go back there. And, uh, you know, I, he was with us at the set, on our set at the Super Bowl. I said, don't take the hometown discount. Don't ever do that. Make sure you get your money. <laughs> and he laughed. He says, don't worry, I'll get it. And he, I think he wants to go back to Tampa. But he would be he would be the second quarterback, and then I think Tannehill, and then Minshew. I mean, and, and Minshew, in my mind, is a backup. He's a good quality backup. That's what he is. So that tells you the state of the free agency quarterback. Uh, situation. It's not good. And that's why you look at the draft. That's why you're going to see four of them go in the top 10, including probably J.J. McCarthy, who didn't look like an NFL quarterback at times at Michigan. But, you know, the scouts love him. The personnel people love him. You're going to see a run on those quarterbacks. And, and by the way, uh, one quick thing. I spent one day this week watching every throw that Daniels made this past year at LSU. He's the most improved football player I've ever seen in my entire life. Having watched him at Arizona State and watched him last year, he's the most improved football player I've ever seen in my life. Yeah, that's how well, he got out of Tempe. He got out. <laughs> he got the hell out of Tempe, Pete. What he needed to do—that's what that was the problem, wasn't it? That's well, think about the, think about this, Frank. At Tempe, he had Johnny Wilson, Brandon Ayuk, Ricky Pearsall, and Rashad White playing on that offense, and they stuck. That's, that's right. Amazing. That's right. He did. They were all together one year, weren't they? Yes, and they stunk. <laughs> Thanks, Pete, I, I, thanks I, I, uh, yeah. Herm Edwards. Appreciate Herm, it. Yeah, good <laughs> job, Herm. I forgot Ayuk was there with those uh, with I'd Wilson and Pearsall. Yeah, he was there with Wilson. And, he was there with Wilson and Pearsall, who were no doubt NFL players. Pete, that's they're, all, yeah, they're no doubt. By the way, I talked to personnel people. They like Pearsall. Pierce, they oh, like he's good. Pearsall. Yeah, yeah. He, 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 he. No, he's a Johnny Wilson because of his size and Pearsall because he's good. They're no doubt NFL players. Absolutely. Yeah, there's no question. And, and Rashad White's a starting running back, and and you know I you big time receiver, and Jaden Daniels was just okay. <laughs> That's amazing. I, I know. I say I know. I, my guess is the answer to this question is going to be that you don't like it. Um, but there's whispers that the Chargers are going to make a big run at Saquon Barkley. Do you like the Chargers being committed to, you know, boosting their ground game to support Herbert? I don't. I mean, I don't. I think they will boost their ground game no matter what. I, I, that's who Harbaugh is. So I. I but I wouldn't go paying Barkley. I, I mean, 
big money. I'd pay him. I mean, if he's available for a decent deal, I'd bring him in. I think Barkley could still play the kind of back you need where he can catch the ball out of the backfield. I'll tell you who should go after Barkley, the Texans. You know, Singletary's yeah. an unrestricted free agent, and if you could get, you could add him to C.J. Stroud in that backfield, the way they play, I think the Texans should take a long, hard look at Barkley. But, I, yeah, if the deal's right, I get it. But these guys aren't. These running backs are not getting mega deals. They're just not. Pete, final thing, the cap came in at 255. Most people thought it was going to come in at 240, 245. Does that change team strategy if it's if way higher than people expected? Well, I think it, it gives you flexibility. It allows you, you know, you look at the Jaguars, they might not need to let go of somebody they were going to let go. I mean, I think that's important. And, you know, a lot of teams weren't cap-reliant. It's going to help, help them get cap-reliant. So, yeah, it's going to help. Um, anytime you get more room, it really helps. But, again, the cap is what you make it. I mean, yeah, you can you can be up against it, but you can easily get underneath it and start making moves if you want to. But you're going to have to pay the piper down the road if you keep pushing it out. And that, that's understandable. Jacksonville's in a position now with that quarterback, the way they are right now, they need to be making moves to help that team and help that quarterback. Forget about the cap. Spread it out. Move it out. If you can do that, do that. And, and by the way, there are a lot of guys you can get rid of on that team that will save you cap room that really won't impact the, the overall general feeling of the roster. Pete Prisco checking in from CBSSports.com. We'll see him and have him on next week from the NFL Combine when we're all in Indianapolis together. Pete, safe travel. See you out there. All right, guys. See you up there. See ya. All right. Pete Prisco checking in from CBS Sports. It's brought to you by Showtime Sports Cards and Collectibles. Once again, let me remind you now, it's on March 10th, on Sunday, March 10th, Alicia Fox, the wrestler, very well known, will be signing autographs from 3 to 5 o'clock at Showtime Sports Cards and Collectibles. Showtime is located on Phillips at the end of Shad Road. They do a fantastic job. It's the best collectible store around. They're good folks, and I'm proud of their relationship with us. And uh, if you're a collector, you're never going to find a better card shop or better collector shop than sports, uh, than Showtime Sports Cards and Collectibles. More in a moment, live from JU after this, so stay with us. The Frangie Show, live from the Hastings Injury Law Firm Studios on 1010XL. Hit back with Hastings. It's a Big Chief Tire Friday on The Frangie Show. For all of your tires and automotive service needs, it's Big Chief Tire. You know what happened in the break? What we got? Popped a little wrestling. We did. That's you, right. You and John the Engineer were talking yeah. wrestling. John knows his stuff. Now, man. now, so, but there's big he news knows. in wrestling, apparently. Big news. The Rock is back. Uh, now, and he's a bad guy, yeah, which yeah. is extra spicy. Listen. If I'd have known that, yeah. I'd have jumped back in. Yeah. I haven't yeah. watched wrestling since the great Malenko, <laughs> Jose Lothario, and Johnny Valentine, who came mm-hmm. along before Greg Valentine. You well, ever heard of Johnny? Have, I have not heard of Johnny. You knew no. Greg. I know Greg the Hammer Valentine. Okay. Yeah. Listen, I'm dropping yeah. knowledge on you. Gordon Soley on the call oh, for that Of course, one? Golden Live, yeah. you know, so long from the Sunshine State. <laughs> Do you ever watch Gordon Soley? Absolutely. I mean, I, I mean, I'm I an watched, American. That's <laughs> exactly so long from the Sunshine State. Yeah. Did you ever? I, I, my dad actually took me to when championship wrestling for Florida was in Jacksonville one time. Oh, that's cool. How about that? So, so yeah. don't think I don't like I don't have this. Yeah, okay? absolutely. I mean, that, that's about all I got. It's gonna be crazy. They're, they're so the Rock close. is back to wrestling. Correct. They're getting close to WrestleMania, which is their signature event of the year. So they always obviously want as as much star wattage as they can get and in this case i'd say they uh they hit it out of the park so the rock is back he's a bad guy that's correct that's right and we probably won't say it on the air 
Uh-huh. But he got in a jaw match with the heckler. <laughs> he did. It was, it was he, fantastic. He cut, like, the greatest promo ever. <laughs> he was in Salt Lake City. And, I mean, right. just scorched earth for eight yeah. minutes. It's glorious if you want to go watch it. All right, so I've a- always appreciated the villain in wrestling. Yeah. So heal. I always get a kick out of it when, particularly when someone as talented as The Rock decides that I'm going to be the bad guy in right. this storyline. So line, they go so. back and forth. They could, usually, yeah. Some guys are always the bad guy, but it's in this day and age, it's yeah. usually you you're see both. a oh. little bit of both. Right. It usually tilts one way or another, but at some point, you're going to probably be on one uh, the opposite side of the coin. Hey, another story I just saw. Did you realize Sly Stallone is moving to Florida? Yeah, and they're talking about Stallone, I think, at WrestleMania, that they're trying to bring him in. He's going to wrestle? I don't think to wrestle, but I think to have some kind of – Role, John, help me here. If I, uh, if, but, but I've heard that it, it's they want Stallone. Yeah. I think WrestleMania is maybe in his hometown this year. It's it? some there's some tie right. to where they're having WrestleMania yeah. that they want Stallone to be a part well, of. All it, I know, Stallone's happen. coming to Florida. Yeah, got to get him on the show. Oh, that'd be great. I mean, how do you not get Rocky on? I mean, <sighs> I mean, if Rock, I mean, I don't know where he's moving. Yeah, he's probably not Jacksonville. But, I mean, Stallone moving to Florida, that's big stuff. That's fantastic. I mean, I mean, I want Rocky. I want, I want to get him on and talk about the fight. That'd be great. You know, where'd he go wrong in yeah. the first one? That, that'd be a tough sponsorship to sell. <laughs> hey, we, we have Stallone <laughs> we coming have on Stallone. every week. You anybody interested? Want, anybody want Rocky? <laughs> who, Rocky who? Like, no, Rocky. We got Rocky coming, for God's sake. Yeah. I'd, love, I'd love that. I mean, how good would it be to have Stallone? Oh, just just have like, like sitting right there here at the, at the Cantina Rio on Jay's campus. You mean Stallone. Like if, right there. If, that, that's here right there. If he Jordan Mincy was there. Yeah. He was great. But right. what if he had Stallone? If he had the endurance, I could honestly ask him four hours worth of questions. <laughs> I mean, I would eventually Who get to over like the Stallone? top. Does anyone not like Stallone? No, I mean, I could ask him 90 minutes just on Tango and Cash. <laughs> I mean, I mean, obviously, it's going to take forever to go through Rocky and Tango and Cash. Oh, it's fantastic! <laughs> it is fantastic. It is. Um, the salary cap is up. To, uh, I asked Pete this a minute ago. The NFL salary cap uh, has been announced now at two fifty-five point four. That is thirty point six million up. That is a growth of thirteen point six percent, which is enormous. It was expected to come in at the two forties. So a Jaguar team that was going to have ten or eleven million in cap money now is going to have. Forty million more than that, or thirty million more. Does that does that help you keep Cam Robinson? Does it help you keep Rayshon Jenkins? Does it not change your strategy and just give you more money to go get new guys? What you read there? I don't think it should change your strategy. If you've made a determination on a player that they're not worth the the money that the contract states you owe them, then I would get out from under it, despite the cap going up. Now, if it's a player that was a tough cut, and, you know, I would think of the ones the Jaguars have, Cam Robinson would probably be at the top of the list because he's still a productive player. It's just obviously his availability hasn't been where you would like it to be. So, I mean, if if it's one where, well, I don't really want to do it, I'd like to have him, but now that I've got this extra money, uh, you know, it certainly could factor in there. But I think, you know, guys like for Jenkins and – and, you know, like Sheriff isn't a guy I would bring back. We'll see, you know, how what, what the Jaguars want to do with it. If it's somebody you were already preparing to move off of, I wouldn't let this stop me from doing that. I yeah. would just use the money to, to go get uh, other players that, that will be free agents. By the way, I do have to report now that the wife doesn't really care about coming around with slap, slappies like you and me, yeah. but she reports she's coming when Rocky's here. <laughs> <laughs> just, just say, the, wife, the wife said yeah. she's, she's on her way when, Rocky, when Rocky's here. I, I think it might change your strategy because I think they're in a tough spot in that, in that you've got Cam Robinson on your team who's a pretty good player. 
He's got a little bit of an edge, which your, your offensive line seemed to lack last year. Yet the cap, the cap the ex- at least what I expected to be the cap, was going to keep you from keeping him. Uh, and I, and I, so I thought that's where they were. One of the reasons I thought they were going to cut Cam Robinson, move Anton Harrison to left tackle, play Walker a little right tackle, was economics. Not that they're not good players, but my vision was the economics are going to what, what's going to cause that. Well, if all of a sudden you've got $25, 30000000 million more in cap, again, at least that I thought you were going to have, well, I think it could change. See, I don't, I don't know about Rayshon because I don't know – I don't know that he – and I like Rayshon Jenkins as a guy, and I like him as a player. He's a box safety. I don't think he's a run and cover safety. I think three years from now, Antonio Johnson might turn out to be a better player than even Rayshon Jenkins was in his prime. And that's no knock on Rayshon. But I think Antonio Johnson's, like, really good. Um, I think Anton Harrison's good, really good. But I don't know that he's going to be a better player than Cam Robinson. So I, that's the one I think – I keep saying a new cap money, new cap number – we act like we know. Maybe the Jags knew all along. You know what I mean? Maybe the Jags forecast. Usually the league gives the they had a better a, idea. A heads up. I, I bet you they're still a little surprised it's at this number. I mean, it's way up there. Yeah. I mean, it, it's $255 million. That is $30 million more than it was. The cap has gone up $100 million since 2016. That's correct. It's just remarkable growth for the NFL, and it speaks to the juggernaut that the league has become because it's all TV money that pretty much sets this. Yeah. And, uh, you know, the new Amazon deal, we talked about that. That's going to obviously increase the cap. And so I, I, think, I think the clubs had an idea. And, and again, it's, it's why you really haven't seen many clubs make a lot of veteran free agent cuts. We saw, I think the Bears have cut Cody Whitehair, the guard. The Rams cut their center, Allen. Uh, the Steelers cut Trubisky. But other than that, I mean, that's the only three I can think of of any kind of consequence. Yeah, tr- so, the you Trubisky know, cut was... Not as much more money and more you, you're not very good. Right. That was a you're not very good cut. I, yeah. I, I don't think money. But, I mean, if you, you've said all along you think the right move is cutting Cam Robinson and moving Anton Harrison and playing Walker Little at right tackle, does, the, does your mind, does the cap change your mind at it all? It doesn't no? for me uh, because I would have – I just – to me you can't count on Cam Robinson. He's missed a lot of games. It's yeah, just, yeah it, it's, it's way too many games that have been missed. And uh, I would rather allocate the, the $16 million that you save to being able to go out and get as good a free agent center as I can get, as good a free agent right guard as I can get, I, you know, help my club out with free agency uh, in, in, in ways in which maybe now can be enhanced a little bit. And I, I believe in Anton Harrison. So to me, you have your left tackle. Your left tackle is Anton Harrison. The fact that he played right tackle for a year, don't let that th- – you know, lead you to believe that yeah. he can only play that at the NFL level. He can play left tackle. I'd be comfortable with Walker Little at, at right tackle. And, uh, and you have to go find a swing. But, again, that's a small free agent need. Uh, maybe you draft a tackle in the fourth, fifth round with the idea of, of that, that guy can be a swing. But my guess is it's probably a veteran that you bring in on, on very low money. And, uh, and you go from there, and, and hopefully, obviously, you don't need them. But – but that's why I would move on from Cam Robinson is his availability and how much I believe Anton Harrison is a star. We'll take a break. When we come back, uh, back to JU Athletics, Alex Ricker Gilbert joins us in a moment. He's the athletic director here. This is 1010XL and 92.5 FM. The Frangie Show, live from the Hastings Injury Law Firm Studios on 1010XL. Hit back with Hastings. Back to more of a Big Chief Tire Friday on the Frangie Show. Big Chief Tire. 
So during the break, we uh, unearthed why Rocky might be. Yeah, WrestleMania's in Philadelphia. Well done, John. And so uh, that would make a lot of sense. If you're still owned, probably get a nice $10 million yeah. check to yeah. show up and, you know. Well, let me just say this. Punch some heel in the face yeah. and get a big pop from the crowd and cash okay. a check. Well, let me just say this to you on a Friday afternoon. Yeah, we going? On the first coast. <laughs> Road trip. This. Let me just say this to you. John's yeah. in. You know who doesn't want? You know who doesn't want any part of Rocky? None of them. Okay. <laughs> exactly. That's who doesn't want any part of Rocky. Okay. They don't want any of them. Um, we got big. First of all, you got big news. You got Rockies in WrestleMania. We think. And Alex Ricker Gilbert's in the house. That's Look at all. This. That's all happening like in the same segment. It's it's incredible. Maybe the greatest segment in radio this history. This guy's so sharp. I mean, every you he's know, always dressed sharp. Look at this. How you doing? I, I wasn't even sure you guys were on the air. You're just talking about <laughs> Rocky. I wasn't sure if I was in the He thought he thought we just hanging out. <laughs> he's like they're drunk uh, already. Oh, uh, how are you, man? I'm good. I'm good. It's great to see you this morning. Congratulations, thank, thank my you, friend. Uh, that uh, is awesome. Alex, thank you. Thank you for coming out. I, I uh, Alex, you, you, Alex and Jay, you've been such big supporters of walk-off. I mean, from the jump. So thank you for that. And of I, course. I appreciate that very much. You guys had some players out there, too. Yeah, that we was had cool. eight guys going yeah. to work the clinic, including uh, yeah. tonight's uh, pitcher, Evan Kress. Yeah, so yeah. Wow. yeah. keeping them busy. How, I mean, and let me tell you, let me tell you what he just said. They play tonight. Evan pitches tonight. And eight JU players, including the, one of the best starting pitchers around, were in there working that clinic. That's really cool. And that, that's what we appreciate that. Ju does it's good it. Good work to does do. it too. And, and, and I appreciate that. And I appreciate you being out there. That was that was a special. But we did take it. We did joke about it. I only watched the radar seven trillion times all week, and I'm telling you, it said clear, clear, clear. Maybe maybe a shower in the morning, but no real rain till the afternoon. Well, there's one shower. And it was from 10 to 10, 12. Yep. And that's when we talked. Okay. Yeah. I mean, it, it didn't start. The, there wasn't one drizzle rain until I cracked the mic. Okay. Just so you know. As well, you know, you were there. You yeah, I was it. there. And what do they say about rain on wedding days? Yeah. It's good luck. Yeah. That's you right. Know, yeah. It's going to be good luck yeah. for that ballpark. And, and I, give, I give Mary Deegan credit. I said this time. She didn't bat an eye. She said that she, we were all in the rain. And then our staff got tense overs pretty quickly. So, so it was great. So, so thank you for coming out. Of course. Big one tonight. Big I one. Mean, I mean, this, we had Jordan on a moment ago. And he – I mean, this is a – I mean, they're all big. The rumbles are all big. It's, it's anytime JU and UNF play on anything, it's big, and basketball rumbles are really big. But given, your, given JU's circumstance, yeah. three straight home games, got to play well in those games, this is about as big a rumble for JU as I can remember. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, every game's critical, but this is obviously, and I think Jordan probably mentioned it, you know, you can try to downplay the rivalry, but. You know, there's really no point in that. Right. He you said know, that. people know people know what this is. It's an important game. It's an important league game, and it's an important game in the city. And I, I think it's such a neat event. There's a lot of buzz around town, but we got to take care of business this game. Uh, this is the first one, and then we got two others. Um, and if we play well, well, we'll work our way into the tournament. Do you have tickets available for tonight and for the final two games? I don't think they're any available okay. tonight. Okay. Right, right. Um, yeah. and, but the f for the final two games, there'll be more available. Um, but they're 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 popular, exciting games too because Stetson's ninety minutes down the road, yeah. and Florida Gulf Coast right. has a lot of basketball history and success. Yeah, they're all three rivals. Yeah. The, the, this is three. This is three JU rivals. This yep. this isn't Central Arkansas coming in. Right. This is UNF. This is Stetson. This is Gulf Coast. JU has had a rivalry of sorts with every one of those. It's obviously, the ultimate rivalry is tonight. Um, the good news, bad news is, Jay's really good at home. Uh, Ten and one at home, been a really good team. 
The bad news is there's no margin of error now, right? right. I mean, that, that, that's the way. As an athletic director, you can't control it. Your coaches and your players control it. But it's got to be top of mind. I woke up three times in the middle of the night last night because of this ribbon cutting. You got to be up. You got to be up a lot, right? Yeah, I think it's been. You know, it's been a trying season. Um, I think it's been. You know, for a lot of reasons. I think we we felt really good after non-league play and and during non-league play, and we've we've had injuries and and hiccups. But that's that's sports. That's life. Adversity happens. It's going to make these kids, these coaches, better. Um, and here's the thing: we we still got a chance, right? We still have what we want in front of us. Uh, and so we got to go out and take it. Um, and if you're not, if that doesn't interest you, if that doesn't excite you, then you're probably in the wrong business. You're probably uh, shouldn't be playing sports. You probably shouldn't be coaching sports. So this is really exciting for us. One thing that, that I like too about it is if you get in, there's a chance I would imagine that your first game would be at UNF, which would be an advantage because yeah. you're just driving over. The other team would be, I would assume, you know, from out of the area coming in. Uh, so how does that work in terms of, you know, those top two seeds? UNF would have to be a top two seed. Yeah. Uh, and then it's 7, 10, and 8, 9 play. How does that work? Yeah, I think it's the, there's two playing games. One's at the top seed, one's at the second seed. Um, those games play, and then the winner of those play the one and the two, and then you go from there, and it's reseeded throughout. It's, uh, I'm not shy about my displeasure with the conference tournament yeah. format i think homes home sites is just really challenging um i get it you know it gives the regular season a lot of meaning but the championship experience is harder when you're traveling all over the place you don't know where you're going to go every day um but uh it is what it is as they say and uh if we're fortunate enough to get in we'll be ready to play alex how because you have you've been very honest and i've always pretty appreciated your candor on that what is the best way to do it? Obviously, your answer is neutral, neutral side, but you can't go just anywhere. Um, is there smaller gyms better so they don't look empty? Bigger gyms better because they're bigger gyms? I mean, how would you do that? Yeah, I think, you know, I think you have to find a city that bids on it first. Yeah. Um, and, and we're, look, we're working through this process. Yeah. You know, we're, we're running down the idea. There's more interest in the neutral site. And, and Jacksonville's a city that's interested. Yeah. And so my first, my first recommendation would for it to be in Jacksonville. Right, right. Um, and there are two teams here. Yeah, and there are two teams, and, yeah. the, and the conference office is moving here. Right. Um, oh, really? And so, you know, it makes a lot of sense. Yeah, the ASON office is going to be here. Oh, wow. You know, it's relatively central to our league. Um, and it's, you know, it's got an airport that you can get to. I think as far as gym, I think ideally, yeah, you'd like a mid-sized venue. Like when I worked at Longwood, uh, the championship was at Coastal Carolina. And it was the Big South Championship was 3,500 seats. So that yeah. was perfect. Um, but I think the, the, the bigger uh, the bigger hope with that is is finding a place where you can – uh, bring eight, nine, ten teams. They can feel like they're in a championship environment. They can feel like they know where they're going to be for the week. And, and that's what it's all about. These, it's a one-bid league. These kids are playing to get in the tournament so they can play and get in the big tournament. Um, and making that experience feel like a mini NCAA tournament um, is what I'm hoping for. Is the reason, excuse me, no, Hayes, is the reason that got voted against because people are afraid – if Bellarmine played Eastern Kentucky and Jacksonville, nobody would come. Yeah. That, that's the theory. That's, that's the thinking, the, right? Yeah, that is the concern. Um, you know, right now, the championship game, 
you know, you're going to have a full gym. Yeah, and that's right, not always right. the case in these little conference right. tournaments, these mid-major conference tournaments. I mean, when we went up to Bellarmine two years ago, there were 8,500 people there. Right. Um, and and that, was, that was a really exciting environment, more exciting for the Bellarmine fans yeah. than it was for us. But um, that's the whole idea is you get a full gym at, at home sites. Do you guys split the gates among all the teams, or does the home <coughs> team – get to keep the gate yeah they get to keep the gate for the most part and there's a formula uh with how the expenses work because you know for example for us two years ago we were here uh we won our first home game and we flew to jacksonville state we didn't know where we were going that night and so getting a flight uh for the next day uh, is expensive and then we assumed we were going to go to liberty after that when we beat jack state and we ended up having to go to kentucky so the planning is challenging too and the expense grows too because you don't know where you're going alex as you get set now because i want to get to some other sports but let's let's wrap basketball as you get set now to watch this um what you said it's been a trying year what has gone wrong for them bryce was out now die blacks out Rob McGray played hurt. Yeah. Has it been mostly that? Yeah, I think so. You know, inconsistency in lineup, and it leads to inconsistency in play because guys' roles change, right? You, you, you think you're going, I think Coach mentioned it, like with Marcus, we thought we had Marcus going into a weekend, and then you don't have Marcus, you find out that day, and then you have to change your whole sort of idea and game plan going into that game, going into that weekend. So I think a lot of it is injury and inconsistency of lineups. But, um, again, we're, we're, we're still in it. And, you know, our ability to, to get to where we want to get to really starts tonight. That's the beauty of the sport. Yeah. We could be having a totally different conversation in three weeks. Exactly. Yep. The, um, Hope we are. Yeah, <laughs> yeah and I, I talked to Chris Hayes today. I thought it was kind of him too because he feels so bad that Jordan's lost all these players that he's trying to commiserate with him by already getting his guys injured. Yeah. I mean, I mean, NATO's hurt. I think NATO is as good a high school turned college hitter as I've seen in a long time. Yeah. Now he's down for a while, so baseball's had some injuries already yeah. too. Yeah. And, and I think, you know, those hopefully a couple of those are just day to day. Yeah. But, you know, I think that team has a real chance. Um, because we have a lot of arms yeah, uh, and a lot of really good arms. Uh, we played well that opening weekend, and we, we, we were, it was 4-4 in the ninth against Florida State on, on Tuesday right. night, and uh, they, just, they just had a couple more hits than we did. But I'm really excited for that team, and this year those guys play the right way. This beach volleyball venue is fantastic. Yeah, it's, neat, it's the right? first time we've been out here, and there's been so much activity. Yeah. Tell us about what, uh, what you have going out here. Yeah, so we, beach volleyball season start, started today. Um, that's a Division One sport. It's a newer Division One sport in the last decade. Um, and beach volleyball tournaments are really like festivals. You know, it's, um, it's high stress for the players and the coaches, um, but it's not as high stress of environment to right. watch a game as it, is, as it is maybe at a basketball game. And so um, it's fun to get out there. It's, a, it's, a, it's an exciting game, up and down, quick. Um, and so we're thrilled to be hosting it and um, thrilled cool. to kick off the season. Who else here? UNF's here, FSU's here. And uh, Coastal Carolina. Okay. So three good teams. That's pretty good. Yeah. yeah. JU, UNF, FSU, Coastal Carolina. That's pretty good stuff. Tell me about the spring. Obviously, spring's a crazy time for you. Yeah. Give me an overview of some of the teams, what to look for. Yeah. We, um, Baseball we, we talked about. We have a busy weekend, as, as every weekend in February is. But uh, both of our lacrosse teams are – 
are kicking off, and our women have a bunch of home games to start. Our men's lacrosse team plays tonight at Duke at 6 o'clock, number two Duke, uh, national finalist Duke. We've beaten them the last two years. How about that? Uh, if we beat them the third time, that'd be something. <laughs> uh, and so uh, they're So you're they're playing the number off. two team in the nation, and you go in there with a two-game winning streak against them. Against them. Think about that, Hayes. Yeah. yeah. So you own Duke. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> Nobody else does. Hopefully they don't listen to this. Yeah, that's <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we're we're not. We're, I think you're okay. I don't think we're big in the Duke lacrosse community. I think we're okay there. They don't they have the app or not? Yeah, it's okay. Who else is playing this week? I mean, who else? Softball's is playing? playing. We have, we're hosting a softball tournament. We have Harvard, Manhattan, and Iowa here. So it's you're, busy. Uh, you're hosting yeah. both tournaments. Yeah. How about that? Yeah, that's awesome. You're always so great to answer questions about national, the college landscape. Uh, what do you make of this SEC Big Ten? kind of coming together they have a committee now they're sort of it seems like they're kind of joining up to say we each want four teams yeah guaranteed in the 14 pl- team playoff that they think they're going to get to as you see this from your perspective do you view this as the first dominoes in an eventual sec big 10 merging of some kind yeah i, I i'm not sure um i think it 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 makes they're the they're the big they're the big dogs in the business. And I think, um, you know, whatever they need to do to try to accommodate and communicate with each other uh, so we can keep Division One, Division One, I, I think is important. And we're going to need to um, – some people might not agree with me, but we're going to need to make concessions, right? They drive a lot of the revenue. Uh, they drive a lot of the excitement. Um, they have the best product. Uh, and so we're going to need to adjust and adapt to what they want to do um, because more than anything, we need to keep Division One together. And I think what is maybe lost with all the football talk is the NCAA basketball tournament. It's as exciting an event over three weeks as any in the world. Because they have to stay in that. Yeah, they, they, in theory, right. yeah. yeah. Yeah, so that's why I think it's so critical to keep Division One, Division One, because if we lose that tournament – um, that'd be catastrophic. And so I think we need to do whatever we can in the football space to appease and accommodate those two conferences because I think there's so much importance around basketball and other championships with the, with the other sports at the Division One level. Alex, is there any chance that football will go do its own thing and everything else stays Division One as we know it? I mean, I do think there's a chance. I think a lot, a lot's on the table. In reality, you know, the CFP already operates sort of on its own anyway. Yeah, it does. Um, the only, the only, you know, the money's separate. There's no revenue to the NCA and the other institutions inside this, you know, outside the CFP, outside uh, the football bowl subdivision. It's just a governance thing. It's a rules authority thing that the NCA serves as, and so. Um, if there's an idea or if there's a, a push to separate or create a different governance or rules-making arm uh, for football specifically, you know, maybe that is the right choice. Um, and I think it's a real possibility at some point that it could happen because we're already, I don't know, 75% of the way there given well, the money's already there. Well, and, and, and to that end, that's a great point. And to that end, Hayes, I don't know that I would mind that I, cause, because – Syracuse, number two Syracuse versus number 15 Richmond in the NCAA tournament is one of the greatest things that I hope we never lose that, ever, ever, ever. 
But Alabama versus Charleston Southern in the second week of football season is gross. And I know it's part of the food chain, and that's how small schools get funded. I understand that, and I'm not trying to defund the small schools. But I I hate that weekend. Nobody likes it. Nobody likes that weekend, whereas the NCAA basketball tournament, they're all good weekends, yeah. right? So maybe it's not the worst thing. Yeah, and, and there's so much more parity now in college basketball because of the transfer portal. Right. I think that's the one thing that the – you know, I, I haven't been a huge proponent of the whole idea around the portal because of how it inhibits kids finishing school. Um, but I think the, the, the parity across the board in college basketball yeah. is so much greater um, because of the portal because you're getting kids like Rob McRae at your school – uh, that you might not otherwise get if there wasn't a portal. So um, I, I completely agree with that. And the other thing with the Charleston Southern Alabama, not only is it not a good game, but it's also it also can be really dangerous. Right. Uh, when right. you have an FCS school that, um, you know, they're just their size and speed just isn't even close. Right. Um, it's a little bit scary. I wanted to ask you something. I'm not trying to put you on the spot with this. I'm just sort of curious how it works because I see it in every conference when it comes to college basketball. It seems like there's only a handful of officials that I see officiating like every fourth game that I watch. How does the A Sun and, and, and what's your perspective on officiating the process? How does it go about? How do you how do you pick the officials and and how does that whole process come together? You're gonna get me going on officiating. Yeah, we are. <laughs> that could get me in trouble. <laughs> was, um, but but he might, he might that might have been his ulterior motive. Yeah, yeah, ahead, yeah. So. Um, well, I have a lot of thoughts about the officiating um, and, and sort of where it is uh, in our league and, and nationally. But how it works for us is we're part of a consortium of officials, and so it's actually under the same umbrella as the SEC and the Sun Belt and the MEAC and us. In reality, you get assigned officials inside that consortium. But if you're playing on the same day as the SEC, which is a Saturday or a Thursday night, you're not going to get the same level of officials as the SEC is going to get. And so tonight, because Friday night is a unique night of the week for a basketball game, you know, the SEC is not playing on Friday night a lot of the time. We have two SEC officials. Oh, cool. Um, And so I might – recommend we change up the days of the week because there's more opportunity for better officials given that they're not there aren't as many games on certain days what a a great day i did not know that but but i can tell you it's funny you said that you answered the question but i I, every once in a while i'll watch lee cassell will be in here or joe Lindsay will be in here not very often Mm -hmm. the one the one doug whatever his name shows doug shows every now and then You'll go to Swisher or UNF, and they'll be there. Well, you just explained why. Mm-hmm. It's because there just doesn't happen to be an SEC or whatever game that day. Uh, that's it. So you might even change when you play. I want to reiterate what you just said. You might even change what you play to make sure you're always not opposite an SEC. Which, Like Friday night, they're never going to play. Right. That's a great idea. Can you play on Sundays, or would that be taboo? You could. You could play Friday, Sunday. Okay. Um, and they'd well, always be available. Mm-hmm. You could play Sunday, Tuesday. Uh, and, and, you know, your, your women could play Friday, Sunday. Um, and, and, and because, you know, there's a smaller and smaller pool of officials. I mean, not as many people want to officiate for, I think, a lot of reasons. Sure. Um, and so to, to be able to access a, a broader range of officials is something that I've really thought a lot about. Interesting stuff. All right. Uh, Jordan went to listen to music. 
How do you bide your time for the next two hours? You have to entertain, so you're not nervous for the next two hours. What are you doing? I'm, I'm going to entertain a little bit. I'm going to watch some softball. I'm going to watch a little bit of soccer. And um, okay, you got I forget you got 86 events <laughs> on yeah. campus this day, so so you, you've yeah. got things you can do to stay beach busy. volleyball. Yeah, but then we'll entertain and we'll get locked in for the game. We will see you over the gym, uh, Alex. We appreciate it. Thanks, buddy. Thank you. One hour to go. This is 1010XL and 92.5 FM. The Frangie Show, live from the Hastings Injury Law Firm Studios on 1010XL. Hit back with Hastings. It's 5 o'clock somewhere. It's 5 o'clock somewhere. Here, that means it's time for more football. Football! Football at 5. 5 on The Frangie Show. We got hoop coming up, but we will talk a little football as we always do at the 5 o'clock hour here. 10 10 XL. Frank Frangie, Hayes Carline with you. RJ Saunders back at World Headquarters. Lauren Brooks has the day off. She's uh, at a wedding today, and then we'll have the next week off. Going to Puerto Rico, she and Brian, but they'll be back uh, and back in a week from Monday. So they reworked Derek Carr's deal, saved a bunch of money, 30, 40 million on the cap. I don't think he's any good. I, I know he had moments really with the Raiders. Looks like he might become good. I don't think he's any good. Am I, am I off the mark to think I, he's just like – I mean, I don't think he's any good at all. I, I think he's mediocre. Um, you know, so I, I, if I had to, I mean, off the top of my head, rank him, I'd have him somewhere 18, 19 in, mm. that, in that range. Boy, a boy on a good day with the wind at his back for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, I, and I get that. I mean, he struggled in his first year in New Orleans. Uh, and, and, again, I think there were some things that contributed to that beyond – Derek Carr. Uh, the Saints have been infamous now for pushing money well into the future. This is something that the Jaguars really just started to do last year and really didn't do a ton of it. Uh, the Saints were like $82 million over the cap. Now, obviously, the cap going up as much as it did helps them probably more than any other club. But, uh, but the, the Saints just continue. It's not just with Carr. It's, I mean, this has been a Five or six years now, they just continue to push money out uh, in, in hopes of staying in a competitive window. And the only thing I can think, the, the general manager, Mickey Loomis, has been there forever. The only thing I can think is that Loomis ownership just continues to allow it. And one day Mickey Loomis is going to come in and say, I retire. Right. And the new general manager is going to be saddled with the worst salary cap situation that we've seen maybe in 25 years in the NFL because the Saints have been doing this for so long. Like, that money eventually is, is owed on your cap. You're just pushing it down the road. So there will become a year where Derek Carr isn't even playing for the Saints, and he's going to count like $20 million on their cap. And, and they've done it with seven or eight star players. So it, it allows you to never really have to truly rebuild for a long time. But whenever the bill comes, it's going to be really lean times in New Orleans. So whether that's next year or not, I mean, not 24, but whether that's in the 25 season or the 27 season or the 29 season, at some point in the next five or six years, the New Orleans Saints are going to be expansion level bad. Speaking of Saints quarterbacks, Jameis Winston in the news saying he loves it there, blah, blah, blah. But he wants to start again. It's only thirty. Anything there? I, mean, I, I like Jameis. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I mean, like Jameis. Is an NFL I mean, starter? 
you know, I, I'd like I'd rather have him than Tannehill. Yeah. I mean, I so, so to me, but I understand most people would take Tannehill. Most people would, you know, draft him. You know, you wouldn't want to be yeah, yeah. in that predicament. Uh, I like Jameis Winston. I think the flair that he has is uh, overshadowed what I think is a is a pretty good football player. And uh, the mistakes have always been the issue with Jameis. And yeah, he's, I mean the interceptions, right? Yeah, and and he's he hasn't really been able to play long enough to prove that he's evolved from that uh, when he was with the the Buccaneers. So I like Jameis Winston. If I was a club that didn't have a high draft pick, wasn't going to be able to take a, a Caleb Williams or a Drake May or a Jaden Daniels or a J.J. McCarthy, um, and I had a quarterback retire or, or suffer an injury in training camp, uh, Jameis Winston is somebody I think you can turn to and win games with. Jameis Winston – in 2019, through 30 interceptions. Mm-hmm. But look at his touchdowns and passing yards. Yeah, yeah, no, 33. You're right, 33 and 5109. But I mean, I mean, 5,109 yeah, no yards. Yeah, no, and 33 touchdowns. No, that's enormous. I mean, but Hayes, you almost have to try to yeah. throw 30. Inter- throwing 30 interceptions. Oh yeah, it's. I mean, I mean, 30. Oh, it's. It, I, I mean, yeah, it's. And, and, and you're right. He had a lot because that, that to your point, there's a lot of attempts. And a lot of – but I – He's almost like the old baseball player. Like, now they're all kind of like this all guy. strikeout. But, yeah, I mean, yeah. He, sort of like in the 1980s, Rob Deere. Yeah, or yeah, I agree. Daryl Evans. Yeah, you know, a guy yeah, that yeah, would yeah. hit 42 home runs, but he'd strike out 210 times. Lead the league in strikeouts, yeah. yeah. I, no, I agree with that. But obviously but, the interception in football is way more right. devastating than just a single strikeout. So, I mean, yeah, it, it, he deserved – Tampa Bay was should have well, moved on and right. reset at the position – but my point is he's been really productive. He's done some really good things. If he could ever have a sustained window to show maybe he's gotten better at protecting the ball, there, there could be at least a guy that could guide you through a bridge season. Well, to your point, uh, he had the 30 interceptions, and the, the Bucks gave up on him. Nobody really wanted him. Um, not, didn't even start a game in 20 in the COVID season. Came back in 21 as a backup. He got seven starts in 21 in New Orleans. In those seven starts, he was 5-2, 14 touchdowns, three picks. So to your point, is he, you know, in fairness to him, he's only thrown 11 interceptions in four years since that 30-interception year, but he hadn't played very much. He's only played a handful of games. I don't know that I agree. I would not, I would not want him over Tannehill. And I don't think either one of them are great shakes, but I wouldn't want him over Tannehill. But I do wonder, to your point, I do wonder if he deserves one more crack at this. Again, he's 30, not 38. I do wonder if he in, – in a, in, a, in a time where if you didn't draft a guy high, you can't find a quarterback, maybe it is a guy like him that, that, that's the guy. This, but it doesn't look – he's going to be a free agent. Mm-hmm. But is anybody interested? I don't think is, the, is a bridge starter. I mean, I, again, there really aren't – it, with the the game of musical chairs is is going to be pretty easy to figure out this offseason because you've got we know the the top of the draft is going to have three quarterbacks they're all going to be week one starters right so three of the teams that are quarterback needy are going to solve it the first night of the draft i uh, i have to think whoever takes jj mccarthy is probably looking at he's going to be our starter by october if not week one and very easily could be week one so there to me there really aren't as many clubs that are in a position of we're not going to be able to draft our guy high. 
uh, and we really don't have a guy. Denver's interesting because they're, it looks like they're going to move on from Russell Wilson. I don't believe Stidham is, is the answer there in-house. So Denver is in that kind of purgatory potentially where they might have to go the veteran route. Uh, but, but there really aren't. I mean, particularly like if, if Cousins does stay in Minnesota, then they don't have a need. Uh, Fields is going to get traded somewhere, which is going to fill a need. And so between Fields and the top four quarterbacks in this draft, well, that's five teams right. that have solved their problem and they haven't had to go the journeyman route. Yeah. So, and, and most of the other 27 know who their guy is. And to that end, we read off the list of free agent quarterbacks. There's not many you'd want to be your guy. There's some that, there's some that could be – Kirk Cousins is, a, is one yeah. that you'd want to be your guy. Maybe Mayfield. Would you want based on who you are? That's about it. Yeah. When 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 every list you look at, Tannehill's next up, and Tannehill and, and Gardner. And I'm not, not I'm not trying to knock either guy, but when they're three and four, uh, in whatever order on every list, it's not a very good class. It's not, and and there'll be clubs that make mistakes in their evaluations. I still can't believe the Steelers are going to go with Kenny Pickett and bring back Mason Rudolph, yeah. and, and that's going to be the plan. I yeah, mean, yeah, and I, and why, I, don't, why don't you just, I, I mean, just turn in the card for 5-12 and 12 now? Yeah. I know Tomlin has never had a losing season. I can't imagine well, yeah, that, I, that, should, that, that, that that's the acceptable plan in Pittsburgh. But go I'll, get somebody. I mean, again, I think Gardner Minshew quarterbacking the Steelers, they probably win 10 games. I'll say this to your point that I agree with. Mike Tomlin's never had a losing season in 17, which is pretty amazing. But of late, he's hung an awful lot of those nine and eights or, or eight and eights in. I mean, it's, it, it, when they're still playing 16 games, I mean, they also haven't won a playoff game since before 17. They they have not won a playoff game since Miles Jack wasn't down after the Jags obliterated him the week before. Did you realize that? Yeah, it's been that's I a think long 10 time. Years. It's a long time. Yeah, it's I think a long, it's like 14 was their it's last. A long time to go without a playoff yeah. win. Even if your coach is win, even if your coach is winning, well, look, they're like anybody else. You gotta have offense, man. Right. If, if you don't have a quarterback, like I trade for Fields. Yeah, yeah you gotta. Like if you're the Steelers, you're not yeah. in yeah. Chicago. You're not even in yeah. Chicago's conference. And you don't. They'd love to take that call. And you, here's our second round pick. Right. We'll take Justin Fields. Kenny Pickett's a backup. Mason Rudolph can you know go play for the Argonauts, and you've got a chance to. Contend. Yeah, yeah, and you don't know that they don't have something up their sleeve. Yeah, and maybe they're being coy. Yeah, but, yeah, but I it, mean, it's, but it doesn't feel like that. Yeah, to your point, we'll see. Tomlin, I believe uh, both Tomlin and uh, the GM will talk at the combine next week, so that'll be interesting to hear what they say about the quarterback. Position. And they've got and, and Arthur Smith's there now. They got a brand new coordinator. It'll be interesting to see how he goes about it. We'll take a break. Uh, when we come back, let's talk some hoop. They got a River City Rumble going on here in Arlington tonight. We'll discuss that and more. Stay with us. The Frangie Show, live from the Hastings Injury Law Firm Studios on 1010XL. Hit back with Hastings. Back to more of Big Chief Tire Friday on The Frangie Show. Family owned since 1961. It's Big Chief Tire. Frank Frangie, Hayes Carline with you. On a little bit of a dreary day, weird weather day. It was. That's going to be beautiful tomorrow. Is it? Oh, rest of the week. 
Well, once I got once, once I got rid of the podium, yeah. <laughs> and the mayor and the city council and I were done talking, then it's, yeah. it's been nice. But it's uh, hey, we're live at JU. We'll get to the uh, rumble coming up in just a bit. Uh, Florida basketball tomorrow against Vandy should be an easy one. That's either a seventeen point favorite. It would make sense. I haven't seen the line uh, because the college basketball lines always post like way close to tip off. It's not like college football where they give us like a full week to digest it. So right. I I had not seen the line. Uh, but it, that wouldn't surprise me. That that seems about what it should be, to be honest. I mean, Vanderbilt is a team that is 230th in the net. Um, Florida's 30th in the net. So, obviously, a, a huge discrepancy there. Vanderbilt is 1-14 in, in games against quad one or quad two teams. This would obviously be a, a major quad one for Vandy. Uh, they're 0-10 against quad one and 1-4 in against quad two. So for Florida, it's simply uh, it's a test of your maturity. Uh, you can't – I mean, this would be a monumentally bad loss yeah, for would. Florida. This is one uh, that would erase a lot of the good. Oh, yeah. Yeah, this is – usually there's enough basketball games and the league is good enough that usually you can lose a basketball game and kind of explain it away because there's so many of them. But probably not this one. Not coming this off a be, tough loss. It'd be hard to explain yeah. this one. This would be this would be inexcusable. Vanderbilt's averaging like sixty six points a game. Obviously, we've talked about how explosive the Gators are uh, with that top seven scoring offense in the country. So, I mean, that it shouldn't be a problem. Uh, one thing that I saw this week, you know, Jerry Stackhouse is the coach at Vanderbilt. He's been there five years, and he's had some decent success. Like last year, they swept Florida. Uh, and I think they were pretty good. They were pretty good. And the year before that, I think they won like 22 games. But did you see this this week that Vanderbilt has a policy on transfers that they won't take anybody that has like over 60 credit hours? So it basically eliminates them from, from taking transfers. like no any grad, grad transfers. Oh, okay. And it's just killed Vanderbilt. Well, when, when, like Vanderbilt basically well, you can't, can't. can't compete. I, is that right? That's what I. It's what I saw. I, I again. I well, then you're telling your coach you can't win. That's the thing. I mean, yeah. And and it leads to a bigger discussion because if everybody, you know, I don't think the SEC is ever going to go to a school like they're never going to go to Mississippi State and say you're out. Right. I just don't think they're going to do that. I don't think the Big Ten's ever going to go to right, Minnesota and say we're moving on, I we're merging with, with the SEC, and you're out. Right. I think everybody's going to be allowed to go, but I do think you you have to though as an institution, at least be somewhat in the realm of competitive yeah. with the way in which you're going about things, or you're just never going to have any chance. Like, if, if this rule holds up for football, I mean, Vanderbilt will uh, – they'll be lucky to win three games. Yeah. I mean, wow. every year. I mean, if, if you're not if – you, if you're saying to yourself as so an institution – So, who put that so, – so, I mean – I saw it in one of the lead-up so, stories. So, and the it, academic people – there, there's there, not always, but there's often, I don't know if rift is the right word, but there's certainly a disconnect at times between the athletic people and the academic people. Absolutely. There always has been. For, and on, I think on every campus in this yeah. country, basically. And that one is the ultimate win for the non-athlete pro-academic people. That's the win of all wins. Right. Because no, cause you're doing something that no one else is ever going to do. Now, there's, all, there's a lot of schools they can't take players that other schools can. I, I've told you the story before. Uh, most football programs, in their 25 signees, you get some exceptions. Most schools will allow you exceptions on all of them. You know, we're not going to make many exceptions, but we'll make exceptions for those 25. Um, 
Notre Dame, in all those years of losing before Lou Holtz got there, were taking like two exceptions. That, that mean, that means, what that means is if you're 25 guys, there's two that will let you get in that would not get in if they were not football players. Two. Well, other schools are letting all 25 in or close to it. Lou Holtz said he would not take the job unless they gave him 10 exceptions a year. 10. Even that's lower than teams he was playing. But he said he would not take the job unless he got his 10 exceptions. And for the longest time, they said, no. He said, okay, then I'm not taking the job. Was he, where was he? NC State, Arkansas, somewhere. Where was yeah. he before? But wherever he was before Notre Dame. He said, I'm not taking it. It wasn't the Jets, right? It was, that I was don't after think so. Zone. Anyway, yeah, I'm not taking the job. And so finally, at the end, he said, if you give me my 10 exceptions, I'll win a national title. And back and forth they went, back and forth they went, back and forth they went. Finally, they gave him his 10 exceptions. He won a national title. But, but I mean, that, that was really the – and almost won another one in 93. Yeah. So, 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 so you got to – you got to – if you bring in your guy and you pay him millions to win, it, in some ways you got to at least try to help him win. Yeah. Like Vanderbilt's tallest starter is 6'8". Is that right? Yeah. They had the, they had the, tra- they had the Minnesota transfer last year, who's really good. They had a really good player last the year. The center. Yes, well, they, who well, was no, great against Florida. Right, and, correct. He and was the al- defensive player of the year in and the And they SEC. also had Scottie Pippen Jr., Couple years ago, correct. Well, I think it was two. But the but the big guy was really good, mm-hmm. and so um, this, their biggest player is six it's eight. Six eight. Oh, they're really gonna have a tough. They're time gonna tomorrow. have a tough time tomorrow. Yeah, you would think if Florida shows up, obviously the crowd's gonna be great. They have another sellout. The the, yeah. the Gator fans supporting this yeah, team this year have been remarkable. It's it's they're, they're, it's honestly it's the best support they've had. I want to say since 2014 in terms of number of well, home sellouts, and well, you obviously require that. Yeah, well, well, the, well, the truth of that is, the, tr- the truth of that is, Florida basketball has been resuscitated. Now, we'll see how long it is. We'll see if it lasts forever. But Florida basketball, has, has, there's been a rebirth. That's the greatest thing that, that, that Golden has done. He has resuscitated a program that had seemed, and I'm not trying to slam Mike White. I was a Mike White fan, but the reality is, whether it was his fault whether he could never get any traction, whether it was he was never going to be good because he was the guy after the guy, whatever the reason was, it was never it wasn't happening there, and that thing's got life in it now. The crowd, the the team, the way they play, the players he gets in there. I told you this the other day that number one, don't wish your life away, enjoy this season because the Florida's going to go to the NCAA tournament. I think they're going to win no matter where they're seated. I think they're going to win a game. I think they could get to the second weekend. Now, I don't think they're going to go further than the 16 if they get that far. But I think they could get to the second weekend. I really believe that. I think they could be a second weekend team. But after this year, Pullen's a grad transfer and Samuel's a grad transfer. They're not coming back. They're, even if there was a COVID year, they, could, they came to play one year. They're, going to either try, they're either going to try the league, try basketball abroad, or go do something else. But the rest of those guys might be back. I don't think Clayton will be because I think Clayton's done enough now to, get to, to, to go in the second round or to begin his pro career somehow, some way. But he could come back. I think the big guys are all back. I, I think Hand Lockton's going to come back. I think Condon, who's really good, is going to come back. I think Hauk is going to come back. Um, Aberdeen's not great, but he'll help, the, he'll help you. I think he's going to come back. Richard, I know you don't love Richard, but I think he's coming back because he's not going anywhere else. Um, Kugel's the X factor. You don't know what's going to happen with Kugel, but I, I yeah, I sense that that, that Florida's going to have a really good team. In this, back in the day, you had to do it four or five years in a row. In the in the portal era, if you can do it two or three years in a row, you've got a good program. 
I think they're going to be good again next year. Yeah, and he's not going to the, – the lifting will not be as extreme this offseason for Todd Golden as it was this past season when he basically had to go find an entire team. Like, he, you know, obviously if there's a star in the front court, he's going to pursue him. You have to do that. But, but it's not a necessity like it was last offseason. He's going to obviously have to find guards. Uh, but instead of having to find six or seven guys, now he can probably find three guys – and if he does that, it's and it's going to be obviously an easier sell because of the season that they're having, the fact that they score as much as they do. I mean, it's going to be appealing yeah. uh, for players to come play because of the success that they're having. But a lot of this conversation gets wiped out if they don't beat Vandy tomorrow. Yeah, I thought last Saturday they were going to lose to Georgia. I told you that. I knew at best it would be a hard win, which it turned out to be an overtime win. I would be shocked if they don't win comfortably tomorrow. I, I, I would be, wouldn't you? I would be I mean, surprised. I know they seem to be a really mature team, and they're so consistent. Yeah. I mean, it just, again, if you can, if you can always count on Pullen and Clayton, and then you figure of your big guy, your four big guys, if between Samuel and Han Logden and Condon and Hauk, two of those guys show up. Okay, so now you've got four players that have played well in the game. If then Richard or Kugel give you a game, well, you've got five guys that have played well. Well, if five guys have played well, you're going to beat pretty much anybody in the country. So, I mean, their formula, and obviously against Vanderbilt, they could probably even have less than that and still have a great chance. Um, So, yeah, I mean, to me, tomorrow is more a test of, you know, can they handle it? Uh, Can they bounce back? Can they, you know, not be caught looking ahead? Or just, you know, basically saying, oh, we just have to roll the ball out and we'll beat Vanderbilt. Yeah. Um, you know, again, Golden is 0-2 against Vandy. So, right, right. for any of the players that You're were right. on last year's team, right. it should be easy for them to convey it to the new guys. Look, you know, th- this may be different, but this school beat us in Gainesville last year. Yeah, the biggest pro- – well, that's right. The biggest problem they would have tomorrow against Vanderbilt is are they just too spent – from overtime game after overtime game, road trip, emotion. I mean, those are some emotional games now. I mean, uh, are you spent from – I mean, every game now has been an emotional game. There hasn't, been, there hasn't been a game where you just play. Either get blown out or blow out. And so, sometimes are, you, are, you, are they spent? I would not be surprised because of the emotion on Wednesday night and because of the emotion on Saturday, I would not be surprised if it's a clunky start for them. I, but the crowd you talked about can certainly lift you then. If, you are, if you're out of gas because it's just – you wouldn't want to be playing tomorrow in a road game that nobody was there right. and there's no energy. So the energy in the arena could certainly um, inspire. Yeah. Because I, I, it happens that way. Because Vandy got A&M right. uh, about three weeks ago. Right. That's right. Vandy got A&M, but it was in Nashville. Right. And since then, Vandy's gotten, like, destroyed by every team they've they've seen yeah it's like kentucky beat them by like 30 and this is and a georgia beat them by like 12 in Nashville. yeah georgia, so georgia handled them it wasn't as if right. it, it ended up 12 yeah georgia actually handled them and that game was in Nashville. yeah yeah so so, so you should be okay tomorrow should be, be okay the the updated projections lenardi has florida as a seven seed playing nebraska the 10 uh winner awaits number two seed kansas in all likelihood there jerry palm uh, has the Gators in the 8-9 game. He's got Florida as the 8 playing 9-seed Nevada with a feed-in game to likely 1-seed Houston. So, again, 
that seating very very uh, yeah. teetering, I'd say, for, for Florida. They need, and, but and again, say, with a net of 30. But I'd guess that's about where they are now. It I, is. I would guess yeah. right now they're probably between a 7 and an 8 seed. I uh, think they'd come in as a 7 today, and I, my hope is that by the time they get yeah. to the actual selection Sunday, they look more like a 6, maybe a worst-case scenario, a 7. Yeah, well, they're going to win their next two games. They're going to beat Vanderbilt tomorrow. They're going to beat Missouri who had won a league game. They're yeah. going to get to 20 and 8. And ten and five, and then we'll see. Then, yeah. then I can. By the way, I'm convinced of that. Twenty and eight, ten and five. I then think Hayes they could sweep. I think they could get swept. I, I think there, there's an at South Carolina, which is a hard game. There's home against Alabama, which is a hard game against Alabama. And if you lose both of those, then you do go to Nashville, maybe out of gas. So I don't think they're going to get swept. I think it's more likely they sweep than get swept. Yeah. The most likely is, is somewhere in between. But once you get to 20-8 and eight and 10-5, and five, which they will do, then anything could happen in the last three. Yeah, this is another uh, quick fun fact on tomorrow's game. Florida and Vandy tied in the series history really? at 73. 73-all. Yep, 73-all. So if they hadn't thrown the tennis balls at Dwayne Schitz's, <laughs> That's right. it'd be 74-72. I kind of remember that as a kid. I, I was listening to it on the radio. I remember that. I was with my dad. We were listening on the radio. Florida wins the SEC title. And I kind of remember the circumstance. Shins just hit, hit a kid with on a, campus with, with a, a tennis with racket. With a tennis racket. Right. So, so Shins just had gotten in a fight and hit a kid with a tennis racket, suspended or fined or whatever they do. And that became a big thing. So Florida went up to Vanderbilt trying to win the SEC. And to taunt him, they all brought tennis balls. But they held on to him and held on to him and held on to him. And at the end of the game, they threw tennis balls at Dwayne Shinsis. Well, and they hit him, okay, <laughs> at the end of the game. And they were up like a point. And they threw, a ten, they threw they, they were up like a point or two points, whatever. Got called for a technical. Florida sent its best free throw shooter to the line, Dwayne Shinsis. <laughs> he, sh- he shot the technicals because he, was a be- he drained them both. They win the game. They win their first ever SEC. So – they, they, had nev- they had never won the SEC. That's amazing. In, they, in, in 1989, they had never won it in football or baseball. They never won the SEC. So they go, they go to the – again, they throw tennis balls at him. The, the, the great irony of it is, is it, it's not like there was a personal foul. It was a technical foul, which means you throw – which means your best shooter goes – he's their best free throw shooter, <laughs> and he drained him. And he went on to win the game, and they win the SEC. Pretty amazing, isn't it? Let's take a break. Uh, one segment to go. Let's talk about a rumble tonight. JU and UNF. What to watch for, the significance of the game. That's next day with us. The Frangie Show, live from the Hastings Injury Law Firm Studios on 1010XL. Hit back with Hastings. It's a Big Chief Tire Friday on The Frangie Show. For all of your tires and automotive service needs, it's Big Chief Tire. You know well, I'm a chicken fry. Cold beer on a Friday night, a pair of jeans that fit just right, and the radio. The uh, overall records aren't terribly different. UNF is 15 and 13, JU is 13 and 14, but where they're really different is in the uh, A Sun standings, Hayes, as we've been talked about, and people that follow it know. UNF is well positioned. Uh, there are 12 teams in the Atlantic Sun. Ten make the postseason tournament. Two do not. UNF currently is tied for third place with two other teams. 
Eastern Kentucky's 11-2. Stetson's 9-4. And, and then Austin P, Lipscomb, and UNF are all 8-5 and five in the league, so they're all kind of knotted in there together. Um, JU, on the other hand, is only 4-9. and nine. They're a half game behind Central Arkansas and one full game ahead of Bellarmine. And again, those last two teams do not make it in. JU's got to get winning to make it in. The good news is JU's a very good home team, 10-1 and one overall in the year, and they've got three consecutive home games. North Florida tonight, they play Stetson, who's at 9-4 and four in the league. And they play Florida Gulf Coast, by the way, which is one of the teams they could catch. Yeah. They're only one game behind them, but a, a real, real, real significant game coming up here because they play these teams. Uh, and the, you, you can't miss the tournament. And, and Alex, Alex Gilbert told something I did not realize, that Marcus Nyblack, Rob McRae, and, of course, Bryce Workman, by far JU's three best players, have not played together in a game, I think he said December 2nd. That's amazing, which is, I mean, what, game five? Yeah, season, yeah I think he said like game that. five, I mean, yeah. Yeah, they, I, mean, just I mean, December think, 2nd. Yeah, just think of a team that we talk a lot about, the Florida Gators, yeah. and now say, okay, what if since December 5th, Pullen, Samuel, and Clayton right. hadn't played together in a game since December 5th? It would be a lost season. It would be, it'd be a yeah. really tough year. It yeah. certainly wouldn't be where it is. Uh, and so that, and that's the whole, that's the beauty of this. If you can just get in, everything resets. Now you got to go on because of the format of the tournament. You have to go on the road. I, I think JU will be fine if they win two of the final three, and I think that's a realistic goal because they're the best team. There's no one better in this conference at home than JU. There are other teams that have only lost one game right. at home this season. There's, I think, two others. But, I mean, look. I mean, that, that's where it starts, and, and that's what makes tonight so interesting because UNF has been very good on the road. They have five road wins in conference which is tied for first in the A-Sun. So uh, a great road team versus a great home team. And, uh, you know, I, I, obviously a key is going to be that UNF three. And when JU is able to deny it, can they do a better job with the interior defense? UNF shot 59.6% in the first meeting, an 82-74 victory. They only had five turnovers in the game, which is exceptional. And on field goals inside the three-point line, UNF was 21 of 29. Wow. That is ridiculous. Yeah, and, and, and Jordan Mincy, Jordan Mincy said, made a real good revelation to us today. He said, he said, he said my ego probably got involved a little bit. I said, let's see if you can take. We, we didn't help. We didn't double. I just said, my guys can play man-to-man. Let's see if you can take my guys man-to-man. Well, they did. I learned my lesson. Wasn't that interesting? It was. It, it was, was great. It was very revealing. He said, he said so we're going to have to mix it up a little bit and play better defense. Uh but Ju's thing is they got to shoot, they got to score. He, uh, and I think Jordan Mintz is a terrific coach, terrific guy, terrific recruiter. But uh, he would tell you, they would tell you, he has not been a great offensive coach. He's been he's been a way better defensive coach, uh, kind of in the Mike White tree, who from whom he uh, came, and uh, and and so they've got to they've got to score. And he and he, we asked us, I asked him, other than the obvious guys, who's got to play? Well, he said Zach Bell. And Cook, because Darius Cook, because they got to shoot. And so, um, so it'll be interesting. On the North Florida side, by the way, they've gained some momentum. They lost some momentum, had lost some games, but then bounced back. Got a big win to get going a little bit. North Florida's got something to play for, too. Number one, if they can get – they're right now, they're tied with two other teams for third, mm-hmm. which means there's five of them in there 
that are in those top five spots. If you get to the fourth spot, then you get a home game, which helps immensely in the tournament. UNF could win the A-Sun tournament. Make no mistake Absolutely. about that. UNF, they could win the A-Sun tournament. Again, they're, they're other than Eastern Kentucky, who's the best team in the league, 7-0 at home, to your point, in the league, 7-0 at home, 11-2 in the league. They're, the best, they're clearly the best team. They're by far the best record. After that, Stetson's 9-4, Austin Peay's 8-5, Lipscomb's 8-5, UNF's 8-5. So there's four teams that are within a game of each other, all, fat, all battling for second place. You know, so, uh, so don't kid yourself. This is a, 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 a UNF team that could win the league, a UNF team that is in the tournament trying to fight to get a home game in the tournament. JU battling to get in the tournament. It's going to be a beautiful matchup tonight. No doubt about it. I mean, again, UNF leads the nation in shooting, making the three. They make more than anybody else in the country, which is obviously just elite as, as it can get. And, uh, and I, they've got a favorable schedule. I mean, once they get beyond this game, uh, their final tour at home against Gulf Coast, who you mentioned is 5-8, and eight, and then a team against Stetson that, you know, is, is a game that I think UNF feels good about in, in their gym. So they absolutely have a chance to, to push, get yeah. out of this log jam in third and push all the way into second. Now you're getting that play-in game opponent uh, in, in, is for your first meeting in, uh, in the A-Sun, and, and that would be spectacular. So huge stakes on both sides tonight. For JU, more of a survival. For UNF, more of a let's put ourselves in the best possible position That's right. to win this conference tournament and get back to the big dance. All right, let's say hello to Hacker Nation. Now, the two-minute drill brought to you by Tire Outlet. Tire Outlet is now hiring. Visit tireoutlet.com slash careers, equal opportunity employer. Hack, I got a suggestion. For, I, got a, I, got a, I got a recommendation. You want one? One recommendation? I love recommendations. Absolutely. So it's between you and me. So uh, we haven't announced it yet. We're going to announce this next week, so I'm scooping myself a little bit here. But after our, after our ribbon cutting at Walk-Off Charities, we're going to start the walk, and we had the tournament there. We're going to start the Walk-Off Charities Spring Series. We're going to announce 24 games of high school games that are going to be played there, Hacker. And, uh, and Inglewood and Wolfson is one of the games. Ah. Go ahead. Well, see, here's what happens. Hey, Zon, if you know this one. How can I bet on the football games? But we whip them so many times, it's gotten boring. <laughs> Hack, when's the last time Wolfson won that thing? Do you know? Uh, actually, uh, 2022? Yeah, oh, I think the, the finale of 2022, <laughs> Wolfson beat Inglewood. Shows what I know. <laughs> I didn't even know that. So, well, Hacker, that ruins my story. I didn't realize they had won that, that recently. So I was going to say, we have to have a little wager in the baseball game. Hey, right? man, I mean, there's always bragging rights on the line when Wolfson and Inglewood yeah. get together. There's no doubt about that. And I know you guys are doing the River City Rumble tonight. It's a house divided for me. I'm a UNF oh. grad. Heidi's a JU grad. We haven't talked wow. to each other all day. I mean, it is wow. tension-filled. Like oh, tension in the greenhouse. I love that. There could be some fun betting in that situation. Oh, Hayes, there absolutely could be, my friend. I didn't know that. That is great stuff. All right. Well, very well. Anyway, we're going to have a football. We have a football bet, and I always win that bet, even though Hacker played football. Well, now we'll have a baseball bet, and I didn't play football. Uh, We'll have a baseball bet because I played baseball. I think Hacker didn't play baseball. So, Hacker, we got a bet. We're going to bet lunch on this year's game is on April 2nd. You on or no? Oh, absolutely. I'm in. April 2nd, yes. And we're going to give you guys the beating. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, well said. Uh, Hacker, what's going up tonight? What are you doing? Yeah, we're doing a lot of NFL talk, some college talk as well. Eric Edholm, NFL.com, is going to stop by in about 20 minutes. Also, Graham Hall 
over in Gainesville with 24-7 sports, talking a little Gator basketball and a little Gator baseball. And it's interesting, guys, as some cuts are starting to come in around the league. Xavier Howard, uh, Ogba in in Miami. I saw Demarcus Robinson gets re-signed in L.A. Still nothing here in Jacksonville yet. My theory is Balky and Peterson meet the media Tuesday at Indy. They may not want to deal with questions, so they may start doing things after those press conferences next week. They're all all—they're both going to sit in with me on Tuesday after they do the pressers hack, so I'll ask all the questions for you. How about that? Absolutely. We need the answers, Frank. Hacker After Dark comes up in just a bit. Hack, thanks, buddy. Thanks, guys. I do want to thank our friends from uh, JU uh, and UNF for always having us out at the two respective campuses. Love the Rumble. Uh, I'd I tell you to come tonight, but if you don't have a ticket, you can't get in. You asked that question. Yeah. Uh, so you can't come tonight even if you don't. But you certainly can come to. Come watch him play Stetson or Gulf Coast that, next week. That's exactly right. Do that or go watch UNF play uh, as well. Uh, JU and UNF, we love them both. They're playing in the Rumble tonight. I can't wait to watch it. It starts in about an hour. That's our show for the week. Uh, Lauren Brooks is uh, gone until a week from Monday. She's going to be on vacation. Hayes and I will be back same bat time, same bat channel on Monday. For Hayes, for RJ, for the absent Lauren Brooks, I'm Frank Frangie. Have a great weekend, everybody.